The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Good evening. Oh, my goodness. Happy debate day to those who celebrate a big, big day here on WTMJ Nights. We're here until, I, I don't think this is right, Matt. It says 10 o'clock. Are we, we couldn't possibly be here till 10 o'clock. On a prestigious day like this? This seems, I, yeah, I want to stay till midnight. I want to just keep talking till the last, uh, the last debater is out of town. This is, but yeah, it's an extended show uh, leading up to John McCure and Dr. Ken Harris doing a big post-debate show here on WTMJ. So a lot to get to. Uh, where are your debate counter-programming tonight? We will uh, talk a little bit about the debate, obviously, but we've got a lot to get to. And it is always more fun when you're involved. 855-616-1620. That's the Old National Bank. Talk and text line, Old National Bank. Get old when you call in. You'll be talking to Matt. He's already, he's already started talking. Be nice to him. You get to me. That's how it works. Uh, he's across the glass. Who knows who's going to be across the glass as the night goes on? I'm, uh, I'm a little, I always feel a little nervous. I don't like my back to the window. I, it's an old gunfighter thing. I don't, I, I was a bouncer for a long time, Matt. You might not know that about me. Uh, that, that is true. And I don't like not having a wall to my back. So. I need a mirror. I'm just going to hold it up, or I need you to hold up a giant mirror throughout the night so I know what's happening out in the Third uh, Street Market. All I'll be like the barber, you know, hold up the yes. mirror so you can see the back. And what am I going to do at that point when the barber holds up that mirror? It's, he's already done. Exactly. He's already. You know, he's either done a great job, or in four weeks it'll be a. You know, I'll have forgotten all about it. So that is that. Our text question of the night. That's how we start every show. We're not going to do it different just because it's debate night. That would be silly. Is there? Here's our text question of the night. Is there anything that could happen in tonight's debate that could change your opinion about one of the candidates? 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank Talk and Text Line. Our text question of the night. Is there anything that could happen in tonight's debate that could change your opinion about one of the candidates? Now, I know we got Doug Burgum from uh, South Dakota trying to pretend he's uh, 18 again. Man's going to go out, play a little basketball, blow out his Achilles on the on the day of the debate, man. Just relax. Don't you have prep to do? You, you, what, what are you trying to drive the baseline to prove that you're a kid? You're not a kid. You're a grown man. You're a professional. You're trying to run for president. You've put all all of your own money into this debate. He was giving away gift cards so that he could raise enough to get on the debate. It's crazy. So now he's blown out his Achilles uh, from all reports. And you heard Adam say this, and you've been hearing uh, everybody else talk about this. He hobbled into the walkthrough today on crutches. Did you even know this guy existed before today? I mean, I knew there were going to be eight. I knew I had read his name. I knew he was going to be on the debate. But... uh I didn't, uh, I didn't really know who he was. And then as I do some, today I, I realize he's not a great basketball player. Uh, you know what we need to do? We need to get him in touch with Vince Vetrano because Vince seems to have a lot of, uh, injuries. Vince had his knee redone. He just blew out his leg water skiing. Vince can recommend some medical care while, uh, Bergen's in town and get that, uh, get that all taken care of. It's going to be a wild night. All right. I am, uh, 
I'm done with this uh, heat. I know it's dumb to complain about the heat in the middle of the summer, but this is at four o'clock. Milwaukee officially hit 100 for only the 34th time in history. 100 degrees. That's too hot. And then you heard Adam say our feel like temperature is uh, in the hundred and like seventeen. Schools closed today. Schools are going to be closed again tomorrow. We're going to talk about that later because uh, one of the reasons schools are closed tomorrow is unconscionable to me. So we will get uh, we will get into that. But uh, from the four one four, they're saying, "Who knows? Uh, can you predict the future?" I can't. No, but something. Something could happen. You can you can make a, an educated guess. Is somebody going to stand out? Is Chris Christie going to choke on a hoagie? Uh, is uh, is Asa Hutchinson going to say something? Is the sight of a female moderator going to throw Mike Pence into a tizzy? What's going to happen today? Or are you already set? That's basically the real question. If you know who you already are going to vote for, if you are a Republican... And you already know, hey, no matter what, I'm voting for uh, the former president. There's nothing probably that could happen tonight that is going to change your mind. If you're still undecided or starting to lean away from the former president and saying, you know what, it might be time for a change for this party, who are you eyeballing? Who do you think is going to make the move? Because that's what they need to do tonight. They need... For some of the some of the eight, this is going to be their last chance. You get one shot. You got to come out, as Eminem said. You get one shot. Do not lose your chance to blow, Matt. I don't think we can use that as a bump, but uh, you know, maybe we do a little lose yourself later. You gotta, uh, I can make it happen. Get all worked up, but that's the point because you know we know Chris Christie is going to come out hot. That's his. That's his deal. He's uh, he's got experience as a prosecutor. He can make an argument, and he can do he he can do the job. It's going to be interesting to see what DeSantis does because, uh, by all reports, his campaign is in free fall. Things are not going well for uh, the man who hates woke more than anything else. So it'll be interesting to see. Also interesting if he becomes the stand-in for the former president and is the one who the other seven candidates kind of go after the most. You know, usually there's one or two people on the stage who get singled out. I don't think it'll be the former vice president, except for the fact that, you know, they can, the other candidates can use him as a stand-in for Donald Trump as well, since he was, you know, for all intents and purposes, or in title, second in command. So... Um, from the 262, I don't care about this debate. I'll be glad when they all leave town. All right. There you go. Well, they'll be gone tomorrow. Then they'll be, uh, you know, then they'll be back next year for the big, the big, how do you do, the big hootenanny, the uh, convention. Again, right down the street. So that's, uh, that's kind of fun. All right. We'll go over some of these, uh, some of these candidates, see what's going on, talk a little about this. Also, uh, like I said, this weather is for the birds. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be insane tomorrow. And then because it's the Midwest on Saturday, it's going to be 70. So, you know, get ready, get ready to just drop. We got a lot to get to and tonight a lot of time to get there. It is WTFJ nights.
Brian Noonan, WTMJ Knights, 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talking text line. Old National Bank, get old. Uh, the big story tonight, obviously, is the debate. The debate starting at 8 o'clock, going till about 10. Uh, we've got Wyatt Barmore-Pooley. He is uh, over in the spin room. We'll be talking to him shortly. Adam Roberts is going to be going out and checking on... Uh, protests and he's been out uh, covering things all day so we will be covering everything and then the coverage doesn't stop just because the debate is over no at 10 o'clock it is the big post debate show with wisconsin afternoon news is john mercure and the truths dr ken harris so be here at 10 o'clock we are uh staying here till 10 tonight because why not it's debate day and uh it's the most wonderful time of the year he said, tongue-in-cheek. Um, our text question of the night, is there anything that could happen in tonight's debate that could change your opinion about a candidate? All right, in the spin room over at Fiserv Forum covering the debate for WTMJ, it is our man in the streets, Wyatt Barmore-Pooley. Wyatt, how are you? I'm good, Brian. There's a lot of people here and a lot of monitors, so there's no chance to miss the debate in here. <laughs> We're going to be seeing it from every angle. Very nice. Now, the big question, we talked about this Monday night. Uh, you were not sure about uh, about this. Are they actually spinning you? I am not being spun right now. However, you do have to spin yourself to look around the room. It is pretty significantly sized here in the bowels of Pfizer Forum. And we're going to see quite a bit of animosity on the debate stage tonight. But uh, in the spin room area where the candidates are expected to come through later tonight, right now there are a number of staffers from pretty much every campaign uh, mingling and talking and being friendly. So right now it's peace before the uh, the battles later tonight. For those of us who won't be in a spin room or ha- haven't been in a spin room, as you're in there, what are the staffers doing? You said they're mingling, they're talking. Are they trying to glad hand journalists? Are they giving you cookies? What are they? Are they trying to curry favor for their candidates? What's going on in there? No, right now it's mostly uh, the, the staffers have been talking to each other. I spoke briefly with the DeSantis staffer, but he did not have a whole lot to say ahead of the debate. Right. I think right now it's sort of this uh, this limbo. Uh, approaching on just like about an hour and a half left until debate time. There's not much to say until the candidates start saying it. Are you getting any, uh, is there any, you you mentioned, oh, there's going to be hostility, and we expect that during any debate. Has there been anything that you've picked up, just overheard, that somebody may be more of a target than others? I have not heard that. I did see, uh, when I walked over here, I saw several a number of people who were wearing uh, red Trump-supporting hats. So he has been the most represented candidate (laughs) so far, even though he will not be here at the debate. His supporters showing up uh, and braving the heat. Uh, There was also, uh, you'll enjoy this, Brian, there was a a Trump impersonator who I uh, spoke to who made his way out. So we, we do not have Donald Trump here tonight, but we do have his likeness. Well, that's good. We don't, we, you know, I don't think uh, the former president would be in any danger of being forgotten tonight, but it's nice that uh, they're representing him. Uh, is, oh, what was that? Oh, did you, did you, were you in the spin room when uh, South Dakota Governor Doug Bergen came in on his crutches? I was not. WTMJ's Adam Roberts was here at that point. I was still on my way over. He is, to this point, still the only one we've seen come through. You couldn't miss him on the crutches, <laughs> and uh, you we're, we're expecting, though, uh, 
the Christie campaign has announced that the list of surrogates contains uh, at least one name. I think I saw that it is only one name, and it is Governor Chris Christie himself. He will be out here speaking on his own behalf after really? the debate. So we're hoping to we're hoping to get some sound and talk to the candidates. I'll be here all night waiting for them to come through and see what they say after the debate. It's almost like speaking to athletes after a uh, after a big game. Is that unusual for a candidate to speak for himself? I mean, I know because the spin room uh, historically has been where the campaigns will try to take what their candidate said and polish it up and spin it until it sounds maybe better than what they said during the debate. So having Chris Christie come out there by himself, that seems that seems a little unusual. I think I think that's the unusual bit is that he will he seems to be possibly taking the lead on his own his own spin. I think uh, we're it, it's not unheard of, and uh, we're hoping and expecting for candidates to come speak with us. But we I think it'll be interesting to see. And the, the former governor of New Jersey is running a very interesting campaign, and that continues to set him apart from other candidates. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if. One candidate uh, becomes the the stand-in for Donald Trump if anybody breaks bad on him. Chris Christie has done that so far. Uh, it'll be it'll be fun to watch, even if this is not your party. What's going to happen with uh, all of these uh, people out there tonight? You'll be in the spin room all night, as you said. We'll be checking in with you leading up to the debate, and then looking forward to hearing who you can wrangle as they come in spinning like tops, and you just grab them and uh, get some good sound from them, Wyatt. You know me. I'm always just elbowing people, Brian. Got to get people out of my way. You are ferocious in your quest for a scoop, and that's why we love you. Uh, Wyatt Barmore-Pooley is at Fiserv Forum. He is in the spin room. We'll be talking to him more as WTMJ covers the debate tonight, the first Republican debate of the new campaign. We'll do uh, that. We'll do more. It's WTMJ Nights. You're listening to... <laughs> oh, now we now we get a little Eminem. Want some mom spaghetti in here? This is what the candidates have to do. They have to jump out. Somebody's got to take the lead. I hope uh, Viver Ramaswamy doesn't start rapping again. But it might be. To be honest, no, I don't. I want him to do something crazy again. He's, uh, he's inching up in the polls. I would love to hear him rap. Maybe this time he does, uh, or uh, maybe he does a, a Motown song it does a little spin move i before we go any further i misspoke i said that doug burgum was the governor of south dakota he is the governor of north dakota so it is north dakota uh not south dakota but uh so thanks ron for pointing that out i appreciate that and it's and the info is right in front of me and yet i think i've been to both the dakotas you ever been to the dakotas matt I've been to both for a long time. Spent the summer out there. It's great. Oh, for baseball. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, South Dakota seems to have more, and I only say that because of Rapid City and uh, Mount Rushmore and Deadwood. North Dakota, eh, Fargo, that's, that's really it. Fargo, you get a little bit in Bismarck. Yeah. I've, I've never been east of Bismarck because the only teams that we saw... We're in Dickinson, which is just west of Bismarck. Okay. And then Minot, which is about an hour and a half, maybe two hours north of Bismarck, almost near Canada. 
I actually did stand up in Minot, North Dakota. Hey, why not before Minot? I am I am not I am not bragging. <laughs> <laughs> part of a little part of a little one nighter tour. Uh that shows you showbiz, baby. You're driving all over the country. But yeah, so uh North Dakota is where uh you would think uh basketball wouldn't be the sport up in North Dakota. Ice skating maybe. Uh deer hunting. Not a I guess that's not a sport, but that seems that seems more North Dakota than basketball. Also, you know, relax. You're debating you're debating for the presidency tonight. Just uh, just relax. All right, so who's on stage? Ron DeSantis, you know him, Florida governor. Um things not looking good for him lately. Vivek Ramaswamy is uh he's right in the middle too. So he's a biotech entrepreneur, uh new to politics. He's 37 years old, which I like. I li- I keep saying we need some people who are under 118 to run for president. That would be terrific. Um I don't know if he's the guy. I don't mm, he's uh he pushes back a lot on environmental, social and corporate uh, policies. So it'll be interesting. And he raps. We know that. We know he can bust a rhyme. But does he have moves to back up those rhymes? I don't know. Maybe we see. Nikki Haley, former South Carolina governor, uh, ambassador to the United Nations, former ambassador to the United Nations. She jumped in the race first. She's calling for a new generation of leadership. Boy, that's out on a limb. That's really uh, that's a hot take. We need a new generation of leadership. Thank you for that. Tim Scott is a uh, senator from South Carolina. He is uh, leaning on his faith. And his background for his campaign, he is the only black Republican in the Senate. So that's Tim Scott, Chris Christie. We all know Chris Christie. Oh, my goodness. I miss I. You know what? I have no there's no love lost between me and Chris Christie. But I do miss him on this week with George Stephanopoulos. There's he and Donna Brazil going back and forth makes for good TV. Kind of raises my blood pressure on a uh, Sunday morning when I should just be relaxing and easing into uh, my day of rest. But no, I watch them and they go crazy. So he's been missed as he's running for president. I know this this is a certainty. And Matt, put this down. Lock it in. This is my prediction. Chris Christie is going to have at least two really good sound bites tonight. He is going to have, I'm setting the line at two. If you want to bet the over or the under, feel free to uh, let us know. But the line for Chris Christie quotable sound bites is at two. One of them, one of them will be a slam at the former president. The other, <sighs> the other is either going to be directed at DeSantis or Mike Pence. Chris Christie's not going to bother with the others because they're not going to be around long enough. Chris Christie is eyeing the big game. He's coming out. He's coming out swinging hard. So he's going to go with. Uh, he's going to hammer Trump, and he's going to hammer either DeSantis or Pence. You can bet the over or the under. Where would you? Uh, where would you put your money, Matt? I take the over. The over because I think in terms of every single candidate, they're each going to want to take their jab at the former president. Okay. I, I won't be surprised if we see that almost entirely right off the bat, especially. With the former vice president on the stage with them because they're going to use the last administration to sink the former vice president despite what he did on January 6th. I am going to disagree with you on this point. I don't see anybody really other than Christie going after Trump tonight. Really? Yeah, I think I think it's too early. I think uh, their strategy will be to touch on... They'll like lightly poke at him with a stick, you know, but they won't take a full swing. The only one taking the full swing is Christie because 
they don't they know uh you know the people who are going to support him aren't unless unless he can't run or whatever his base isn't flipping over to one of these other candidates so they still want they still want to ingratiate themselves chris christie doesn't uh doesn't give a a good god darn about uh Keep keeping Trump's base on his side. He knows they're he knows they're gone from him, so he doesn't care. Uh, Mike Pence, you know, come on. Uh, does that hair ever move? I think it's a Lego that he just sticks on his head. Fly tonight? <laughs> what? Are we gonna see a fly tonight? A fly on his head? Oh, I hope so. Yeah, is the ghost of Giannis into the Kumpo gonna put a fly on Mike Pence's head? I well, I I don't want to say this, but I've I've heard rumors that some people walked in with flies. And may release them. It's hot outside. They need to get inside That's and get the right. fresh air too. This is uh, yeah. I'm starting a little. I'm starting a little controversy or uh, conspiracy theory that flies have been released in the Pfizer forum. Um, let's see. Asa Hutchinson. He was the governor of Arkansas. He left uh, because of term limits this year, and now he is. He's. This is how far he's come out against the former president. He called the recent charges connected to uh, Trump's effort to overturn the elections, quote-unquote, serious. Again, going way out. Way out on a limb on that one. Very nice. And then there's Doug Burgum. He is the North Dakota governor. Uh, lowest name recognition. He spent a lot of his own money, as I mentioned earlier, to get on on this uh, on the debate he basically bought his way on stage he offered twenty dollar gift cards in exchange for small donor donations uh that got him up to the limit to get on the uh on the stage for the debate tonight and then i don't know some people people are saying people are saying uh that maybe maybe this uh this whole achilles thing was intentional he was giving away the gift cards for money yeah, he bought his way onto the stage. There's, it's, it's very simple. If you donate, maybe I mean, or one of those uh, gift cards for Dick's Sporting Goods because he could use some better shoes and he wouldn't be on crutches tonight. Yeah, I don't know if it was, uh, I don't know if it was the shoes. I don't know if it was the fact that he's too old to be playing full contact basketball <laughs> in hundred degree heat. Even if he was on in the a biggest gymnasium. day of his career. Yeah, this is this is the day you're going. And now, oh, uh, you know why? My theory only, and take it for what it's worth, nothing. Um, yeah, he he did something to himself. So now he's going to garner sympathy. It's like Mariano Rivera hurting his ACL <laughs> before he even comes into the game. It's like the Kurt Schilling bloody sock game. Exactly. Like, I'm sure we could talk all night <laughs> Is about it. Is it the in- Michael Jordan flu game? Like, dumb injuries that happen before you even start competing. I know it's a debate. You still can talk, but... Sure, but he has to stand up. I like that they're not giving him a stool. They're not letting him sit in a recliner. He's got to stand up there like everybody else. Achilles. Is he going to come out in a scooter? I don't know. I w- I would think, um, I would think he'd do it. You know, those little carts where your leg is yeah the one legged scooter yeah the one legged scooter and you roll on the stage. But can you do that with your Achilles? I don't know. I'm not. I can't an imagine the, on the pain. Lower leg, but well, we got to call Vince <laughs> again. <laughs> oh, any any lower extremity injury, we got to call Vince Petrano. He will uh, he'll hook us up with that information. I can't imagine. Listen, I'm good for him. He's going to quote unquote cowboy up to get into the to debate tonight, which I'm happy about. But um, just because I want to see, I want to see what they do with him if he's uh, you know. If anybody's going to give him any sympathy, or if they're going to, they're just going to turn on him like a wounded animal 
and go right after. He's a leg. He has a leg injury. He can't move. He can't go anywhere. They're just gonna pounce. Oh, leave me alone! No, it, it's gonna be. That's gonna be exciting. But um, yes, uh, Gary says Phil Jackson is from North Dakota. Uh, he was a high school legend there and played pro basketball with the New York Knicks. That coaching the Bulls is yeah yes that's uh, um, all right. Gary says it's a great route to start a legendary career. I don't know if that's gonna. I don't know if Doug Burgum and Phil Jackson can be put in the same thing. Now uh, Burgum, very you know, he's successful at being a politician in North Dakota. Um, somebody's saying he'll come out in a wheelchair like FDR. I would. That would I wouldn't be, see that if they wrapped him in a blanket. Like, like he was old and infirmed, and they gave him some wire-rimmed glasses and a corncob pipe and just pushed him out there? He's done. What he, if this is all being run like professional wrestling? It's all a show. You think this is a work? I think you this think... could all be a show. <laughs> well, it, We're going to ask Wyatt if, he has a, if he's gotten access to the run of show. That, yes, because it, it is. Well, it is a show, because let's be honest. How many times... Does does the debate performance reflect what somebody actually does in the presidency? Never, you know. It's not a it's not a skill they actually they need diplomacy. They need to be able to uh, bargain. But once you're elected, you're not debating other people, and especially these debates, they have what are they have forty five seconds to answer a question or um, yeah, and then a couple seconds for a rebuttal. So they're not even talking about. Substantial, substantive issues. Let's say that really, uh, no for, no opening statements. They get, uh, 45 seconds for closing remarks and one minute to answer a question, 30 seconds for a follow up. You can't, there, nothing they can say, especially since there's eight of them and it's only two hours. We're not really going to learn anything real about anybody's stance anyway. If you don't know, like if you're one of these candidates that nobody knows, you might as well be doing shadow puppets up there. You could tap dance, you could play the ukulele, whatever it is, because, one, you're never making it, most of you aren't going to make it to the second debate, because everything goes up. The amount of donors goes up, the dollar amount goes up, everything. And I don't think uh, Burgum has enough gift cards to buy himself into the second debate. So, at this point, it's, it's DeSantis, Christie, Pence, maybe... Um, Maybe our man, uh, the rapper. Maybe our man, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Maybe those, those are the people who are going to make some things. Nikki Haley, no, she's, she's boring. And it's not because she's a woman, so don't at me. Don't try to dox me. Uh, it's just because she's boring, you know? And we will see. <laughs> All right. The, uh, the Gary Bergwood jokes are coming in. Um, put Bergwood, Put Bergram in traction. He'd have a leg up on stage. Thank you, Gary. I gotta cue up that sound again. <laughs> yeah, we gotta have the rib shot ready. There's gonna be some. Uh, there's gonna be some uh, Bergram jokes. We got business to take care of, so let's do it. It's WTMJ Knights. Oh boy, Brian Noonan, WTMJ Knights. Want to get involved in the program? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the old National Bank talking text line. Old National Bank, get old. Um, 
From the 414, we've been talking about the debate, obviously, because it's a big story tonight. Uh, I don't want to hear about Trump tonight, nor do I want criticism of each other. I want to hear about plans for the future on economic, illegal immigration, how to stop Democrats' destruction of our cities and their unbelievable support for normalizing extreme social issues, and any criticism should be directed at Biden. Thank you. Uh, Well, there will be criticism directed at Biden. That's that's a given because you know this is a, and that's in advance of all this president biden's uh, spokespeople uh, his campaign and the dnc of course are now saying oh man watch out for tonight it's going to be far right wing extremism on full display so it's this is politics as usual and it's it's at some point it's boring cuz it's the same thing and yes i would love to hear candidates actually say what they plan on doing. That's not going to do. Uh, Stephen Cudahy has a really good idea. He says, personally, I, I will not be uh, wasting my time watching the debate, uh, but I will instead be enjoying myself at the Racine Zoo Animal Crackers event, enjoying Steely Dane. That sounds like fun. Or just stay here, because we're pretty much done talking about the debate until um, until we, you know, we'll check in with Wyatt and see if they did give him a, a sit and spin, which I was really hoping they would. Uh, but the spin room... Not as advertised. Very sad. So we will uh, we'll be checking in with Wyatt. And Adam is out. Adam Roberts is out on the street seeing what's going on out there. Uh, you would have to be really angry, I think, to go out and protest when it's 100 degrees. My level of commitment to any social cause stops at 83 degrees. If it's uh, colder, I'll go. Sure, colder I'm in. Uh Hotter? No. Hotter than 83, I will, uh, maybe I'll send a check. Um, I'll support you in spirit. Maybe I'll hang a yard sign, but uh, I'm not standing out on hot asphalt in 90 or 100 degree weather when it feels like 117. How angry, how angry are you? You know, unless somebody, unless they were actually, and I know literally they're not, uh, figuratively they are. If somebody comes in and is stealing from me, this is all politicians. Then I'll, you know, then I'll chase them out in the, in the heat. But I am. I have no. I, it sounds like a helicopter is landing on the studio. Did I say something that would bring the uh, <laughs> the black helicopters down? I mean, they are having events around here. I know, but, but are they jackhammering man. out the floor to make <laughs> for the RNC? We've got to dig a giant pool in the next two is hours. Is a pool party outside? It might be a pool party. You heard that, right? That wasn't just in my I, head. I was in my head. Too. I mean, we hear okay. stuff all the time with them doing some construction in the market hall with the pinball machines, and you know, it's an ever-going project. But yeah. that was like belligerent. Yeah, that was that was very loud. Matt, uh, Matt in West Dallas, uh, I think misconstrued my humor at eighty-three degrees, uh, saying it's a good thing that George Washington and the colonists didn't just stop when it hit eighty-three degrees outside. I don't know how hot it was when he crossed the Delaware. He was wearing a big wool coat, so I'm guessing it could have been could have been chilly, you know. Now I know I know they signed the Declaration of Independence when it was summer in Philadelphia, so I'm guessing hot and humid. But they were inside, and I know there was no air conditioning or fans back then. But again, um, you know, they it's a different time, Matt. They could deal with the heat. It's like if your grandparents grew up during the Depression; they're tougher than you, you know. Uh, just because they are. They had to be. 
I don't, I'm like my, uh, one of my dogs. I'm not going out when it's this hot. What are you, insane? It's, uh, so yeah, I'll, you know, I'll still speak out, but I'll speak out from a nice air conditioned room <laughs> going out and standing in the heat. Um, all right. John says, I'm pretty sure Big Brother is on tonight. That's far less stupid than the Republican debate. Um, from the 262, I guess I came off a little grumpy before. I wish everybody well with their debate watching and listening. Thank you. You didn't come off grumpy at all. You are fine. People are going to get grumpy, though, because, oh, my goodness, there is uh, there's talk that it's going to be time to break out masks again. I know. Not everywhere. Don't get Don't get all worked up. But there's supposed to be a big summer wave of COVID. Uh, so... The experts are starting to say, hey, if you're over 80, and that includes the president, maybe it's time if you're in a crowd to wear an N95 again. If you are in one of the other comorbidity groups, like if you have diabetes, cancer, chronic liver, kidney or lung disease, uh, organ or cell tra- transplants, HIV, that kind of stuff, maybe you wear a mask in a crowd. They're not ca- Now, one school has already said that they're um, they're going to social distance, but just for a couple weeks, using the old flatten the curve. But that's Morris Brown College in Atlanta. I don't know how big uh, these are. All pediatricians and stuff are saying is, listen, kids don't need to wear masks. We're not we're not getting to that point, which is good. None of us want to wear masks again. But I won't. I'm not going to be mad if I have to go to the hospital. To visit someone or if I'm in a doctor's office and they ask me to put a mask on just in those two instances you know why because there's sick people in there and okay it's a healthcare environment I'm good with that it's it's way too early to start panicking about everybody having to wear one but I did think it was interesting that the same groups that were told to put the masks on before are being told to put the masks on again. Uh, people over 80. And if you know people over 80, you know, they're prone to get sick. It's all right. You're over 80. And if you have these other things, or if you're in, I don't know, I would, I still, I still think they're a good idea in certain spots. And if things go the way they are now, they're saying, I didn't realize this, they study how much COVID is in the water from toilets. And they said that that amount has doubled. But hospitalizations have not doubled, so that's good. And your kids don't have to wear masks to school, so that's good. But please, as school is starting, and it's it's off again tomorrow because of the heat, uh, tell your kids, do the old vampire sneeze. Uh, make sure they're washing their hands. All the things that we should have been doing even before the pandemic that then became a big thing during the pandemic – Hey, you know what? Wash your hands and stop spreading germs. What? What are you talking about? Wash my hands? Yeah, wash your hands. Don't sneeze in somebody's face. That's always good, whether there's a pandemic or not. Don't do that. And, uh, you know, just keep your distance. I, I actually, the only thing I really did like, I liked people having to keep their distance. I liked when you were at the store or something, people weren't right up on you in your business. I don't, I like that uh, personal space bubble. Matt, that's why we're about, what, 10 feet from each other? Yeah, we also right. have a wall and glass dividing us. This is perfect. 
There's a, I, I can see you. I can talk to you. Uh, but, yeah, we're, you, don't, you don't need to be right up on me. And I don't need to be right up on you. What is that crazy sound? We gotta. This is. We gotta find out. I got. I have a feeling that um, maybe it's, maybe it's Berger playing basketball upstairs. <laughs> he came in to show us how he's still. Oh, listen, that's okay, man. Maybe he got a faulty wheelchair. Yeah, and it's, it's like it's. Oh no! It's like one of those grocery carts with the bad the bad wheels. <laughs> And he came over from the Pfizer Forum. He just wheeled down the street. I'm going to show them I'm hey, still fit. He, he thinks he's so good at basketball. If Giannis is in town, Giannis versus him one on one. They put half a basketball court out there at Pfizer. Let's see what's going on. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you challenge him to a game of horse? I think I'd win. Probably. He can't shoot. You're a very sporty guy. And also, yeah, he can't if, shoot. If you, you know he can't I drive play, the lane this time. <laughs> if you play the way I play, where you can call what moves count. Like, if I shoot with my left hand, I say, left hand, shoot with my left hand, and if I make it, the oh, next yeah. person has to shoot left hand. Sure, sure. If I say, drive from the three-point line down and make a simple ready layup, oh. <laughs> H on the board, please. <laughs> He's going to go, but you know I hurt my hamstring, or well, my Achilles. Too bad, so sad. Stretch out before. <laughs> I, I, had a foot, I had foot surgery last year. And the reason I bring this up is because of the Achilles. And the doctor was telling me different things. And he was like, listen, um, we got to make sure we take care of this because you don't want to blow out your Achilles. He goes, we can't, we, you know, we can't get in there. It's, you're going to be, you're going to be out of it. Cause I guess they have to go up with a hook and stretch it down. And it's, it's uh, he's out. He's done. See, that's, you know, you know what Chris Christie did today? He had a meatball sub getting ready for the debate. That's, That's it. Prep. He just sat. He just sat there writing out note cards and gouging himself on uh, on Cobb's frozen custard. That's all he did, and it's smart. That's what you should do as you're getting ready for a debate. Now, listen. I'm having some fun with the debate, but if you want to hear the real deal after um, after the debate tonight at ten o'clock, the uh, best place you can be is right here. I'll be gone, so. Real journalists will take over. Uh, Wisconsin after, Afternoon News host John Mercure and the Truth's Dr. Uh, Ken Harris will be on at 10 o'clock. They'll have the stuff you need to know about, the highlights, the lowlights. They'll have sound. Uh, Wyatt is going to be in the spin room. Wyatt Barmore-Pooley trying to get some interviews. So that's the place to be. Uh, we're just having fun. But on the other side of the news... School is starting. One of these days, it's not going to be 100 degrees, and school will start. How old, what age, I should say, is a good age for your kids to walk to school? We'll talk about that and more on the other side of the news, and that comes your way right after this on WTMJ. The night is still young. The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Hour two of the big broadcast. Glad you're here. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talk and text line. Adam Roberts is still in the studio. I know you were... Uh, Plotting to get out, but I'm going to uh, I'm going to grab you. I saw the look. Yep, you. Thank you for sticking around for just a couple minutes because you were over at Five Serve Forum earlier today. Um, you were in the spin room. You were all over. What was what was the atmosphere like early? Well, early on, and this happened just before I arrived. North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum in the spin room. To my knowledge, 
Brian, he was the only candidate so far that actually took the time to be in the spin room. Some people were wondering, like, well, why was that? Why was he in? Well, sympathy. I mean, I, mean, I, I would think so. <laughs> you got a guy on crutches. He has his big moment. Cameras on him. Has the cowboy up expression, and suddenly a guy who was eighth on the podium for the debate tonight has been the, really the talk of everything. Sure. DeSantis, nah. Pence, nah. Guy in crutches. Right. We want to see if he can stand for. There, there's people who are just wondering if he's going to fall down. Just from the pain. And, it, you know, I, I would want to stand for two hours after rupturing my Achilles. But. Oh, absolutely not. It sounds, I mean, having never had it, I can obviously speak to the fact that it's a horrible, painful well, injury. Yeah, it's, from all accounts, it is very, very, uh, very painful. So it was, so he came in before, before you got Just there. before. Is it, is it kind of like the calm before the storm, for lack of a better term? Everybody's just setting up, you know, uh, I, does each, um, out, news outlet have their own spot? Is that because again, most of us will never be in that situation, and we hear about the spin room and mm-hmm. we hear about what goes on. But you were actually there, so what's the setup like? So the setup for this, at least, first of all, very air conditioned, which on a day like today was <laughs> yes. very welcome. I know there were people doing their live shots for different TV stations on Highland and Velar oh. out in the sun. I actually did one of those hits, but I was in the shade behind the DeSantis mobile that's parked <laughs> out there, so that was helpful. Is it, it like an El Camino? You oh, mean? no, it's a big old <laughs> <Okay>. bus. <laughs> so inside the spin room now, what they have is rows and rows and rows of tables. You have your individual seat. I was seat 354, Ooh. and uh, I was kind of towards the back a little bit. And then inside, there's all of these monitors, these television monitors, and they all were showing Fox News. And the audio is coming through the speakers, so it's just this room of televisions. Everyone's watching the same thing. You've got media outlets, both like us here at WTMJ, and then all the way across the country, there was a group in front of me from England. I could tell because of their voice. And so they're all over the place, and we're all kind of doing the same thing. We're sitting at our computers, we're doing our work, while simultaneously out of the corner of our eye watching that media pit where they have the TV studio setups just in case someone like a Burgum or a Pence or whomever would happen to wander through. Now, later tonight, Wyatt Barmore Pooley will be in the spin room post-debate, and that's when all hell could break loose. Sure. Yeah, because that's when the candidates will come in, theoretically, or their people will come in, and uh, Wyatt already told us that Chris Christie is not having anybody speak for him. He's coming in himself afterwards to uh, to meet with the media and spin whatever it is he's going to spin, whatever he says tonight. So mm-hmm. it's uh, so like at that point of the day, it's pretty calm, right? Everybody's just kind of. Right, I don't envy Wyatt at all because now if you don't know Wyatt, he's a smaller guy. Right. So I've told him, use that to your advantage. You're agile and you can sneak through. Because we saw with Ramiswamy yesterday when he was doing his event at the Rami bus that's (laughs) up in the Deer District, it was a swarm. The images are just cameras. There's a boom mic with someone reaching up to try and get that over. So I told Wyatt, use your size to your advantage. Wiggle your way through and get right to yeah, the Yeah, drop down on the ground and slither through and just pop up right in front. 
Yeah, exactly. See, you and I are, b- are bigger guys. We'd have to yeah, try to no, use no, that's brute not, force. Yeah, we'd have to kind of Red Rover, Red Rover said Noonan and Roberts over. And, and those guys, uh, people who are used to covering live events like that, it doesn't matter if they're male reporters, female reporters, camera guys. Uh, they know how to they know how to throw some elbows to get uh, to get the shot they need. Yeah, this is the training ground, the proving ground, <laughs> if you will, for can you get that singular moment with the candidate? Because right. you know that we're all asking the same thing. Sure predominantly so it's less about you know you want to ask that question that gets you that sounder or whatever it is but half the battle is just the positioning itself see the problem is i would always want to ask some really offbeat question you know just really? to see. yeah what, what's what's your favorite cheese here? uh munster munster is that right, a hot so, take I, no but it's you know it's something because what it'll do is it it catches their attention because Nobody's asking them what their favorite cheese is. Exactly. You know, boxers or briefs. Remember when it was it Bill Clinton? Somebody asked him that at a at a town hall, uh, and he, you know that became a viral thing because it's such a dopey question. Exactly. But, but you get sometimes them, that's what you want, and you know because it gets them, it makes them human if they answer it, and that's what is lacking from all of this coverage. We see their really finely honed public politician personas. And if you can get them to go, I don't like cheese. Cheese is, you know, I'm not a rat. I actually had a similar experience to that a few weeks ago. Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons were in town at Pado, right. where they were unveiling Rock and Brews, and everyone gets the chance to talk to them and get your all right. Well, we're talking with Gene and Paul, but you know the PR people they want you to ask the questions. Sure. What's the restaurant going to be like? Uh, why should I come eat here? So I get my five minutes with Paul Stanley, and I do the whole song and dance. And then <laughs> I remember I kind of flipped. I did the whole. I'm going to put on my fan hat here for a second, and I asked him a question about because I'm one of the biggest Rush fans in the world. Okay. And Kiss toured with Rush very early in their respective careers. That is an odd pairing for a tour. Absolutely. And I think Aerosmith and Rush also did a tour around the same time. So I asked him, and exactly to your point, these people are getting mics in their faces, whether it's a politician or a rock star, sometimes the best question is one that, you know, you do the thing, do what everyone is expecting you to do, but when you get that chance, just take it. Like, I've always thought, when you're in that position, you may never talk to this person Mm -hmm. ever again. Ask them something that makes them go, oh, thank God, not another question right. about whatever. Yes, I can talk, I, you know, as a, as a human being, we can all talk about a number of things, but they're, they're talking about the same thing because we're told to ask the same questions. And so to catch, catch them off guard is not in a hostile way or a gotcha way, but like, like you said, and oh, well, yes, I'd like to, I'd like to answer that question because it's exactly, it seems exciting. But tonight we tonight we will get uh, nothing but talking points. Absolutely, and especially because it's the first debate. Yes. This is the race, as a lot of the people were saying outside of Pfizer, the race for second place. It yes. seems like right now. Yeah, that's that's definitely it. Well, Adam, you're going to be around all night. You're going to yep. be you, and then Wyatt is over at Pfizer Forum, and uh, we will keep updated. I appreciate you taking a couple minutes. Thanks a lot, man. You bet. Good job. All right, uh, we're going to do this, and then we'll be back. Sure, why not? We're actually here till 10. I know Matt is shaking his head like, you keep saying that. That can't possibly be true. It's true. We're here till 10 on WTMJ. That- at what age did you start walking to school, and at what age did you let your children start walking to school? I'm going to bet that uh, they're a little different, the two answers. I think when, like my my generation, 
Now, I didn't, I wasn't able to walk to grade school. I had to take a bus. But my friends who lived closer, they all walked and they started walking in first grade. They all walked. That was a long time ago. Now I'm guessing uh, more people are driving their kids to school. Depending on where you live, it used to be schools were right in your neighborhood and you could walk. Now sometimes if you live in the suburbs, you know, it's impossible to walk to school. You either have to take the bus or somebody has to drive you and then you sit in that horrible line dropping people off and you realize that people don't know how to follow directions. It's a whole thing, dropping kids off at school and picking them up. But if you can walk to school or if you could... How old? Because it's an interesting question, and I saw this today. They were asking a lot of experts about this. Um, we lived, when my daughter started kindergarten, we lived very close to the school, a couple of blocks. So obviously she walked, but I didn't let her. She was she went to that school for kindergarten, first and second grade. Then we moved back from Los Angeles um, to Chicago. So she was still young, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't let her walk by herself. You know, I walked her to school, which was fine, because like I said, it was only a couple blocks. But at that age, you you know, five, six, seven years old, I think it's too young to walk. Even if you're walking with other five or six or seven-year-olds, because kids that young, they may know the way to school, but they're not really paying attention. They're not, there's, they're not street smart. They're not looking for danger and... It's a whole it's a whole thing. Did you walk to school, Matt, or did you uh, did you drive? So I grew up about three blocks from my elementary school. Nice. So I walked and sometimes drove, depending on if I had a project or you sure, know. Sure, if you got your solar system yeah, or a diorama. Exactly. If it's yeah, cold, yeah. there are extenuating <laughs> circumstances. Cold. But the thing is, is I would walk with my parents from kindergarten until first little bit of second grade okay and then end of second grade start of third grade i was allowed to walk home alone or with friends okay because then my parents knew that okay school ends at three seventeen. if and it's not every, home yeah bye then okay we know something's wrong and then later part of third throughout the rest of elementary school you could walk by i could yourself go both morning. ways see you mean walk both ways yes <laughs> The the walking home makes more makes sense because you know everybody is leaving at the same time. You know if you leave for school at a different time than your friends, the coming home makes sense, especially with the proximity you were to school. Um, when my daughter got to the point where she was in, when we moved back to the Midwest, she was we weren't close enough to her schools, either her elementary school or her middle school. Um, so she had to take the had to take the bus. Which is fine. Um, the school I teach at, we have a lot of kids who walk. But until they're... Usually it's the end of fourth that maybe they start walking home by themselves. Fifth grade, The fifth graders, for the most part, unless they have a young sibling that they're waiting for a parent to come, the fifth graders are walking home by themselves. And that makes sense. That's 11 or 12. You can walk home because it's a neighborhood school, so everybody lives within just a few blocks. It's uh, the experts tend to tend to agree that ten is about the age where a kid can start walking to school by themselves. Seven or eight year olds, they're saying, mm, no, that's still too young. But you know, ten, and that's that's 
from child care experts. That's from a uh, organization called Safely Ever After. Um, that's all fine. Then they give some tips. If your kids are going to walk to school, and if your if your children walk to school, um, I'd love to hear from you. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. How old were they when you finally let them go by themselves? Because again, like in Matt's case, kids are going to come home after school. But I wonder about going to school if there'd be some. You know, a lot of tardies from just dawdling, just, you know, especially little kids are like, oh, look, a dog, oh, a butterfly, oh, I got to sit down because my foot hurts. Or they just, you know, they end up like my youngest brother, who in high school, my parents were getting calls all the time because he was tardy, uh, because he and his buddy would just stop for breakfast every morning. <laughs> it's like, what? How's that happening? They're like, he left for school, you know, because they, they were both teachers, they were gone. Um he was the youngest, and if you're the youngest kid, you know by that time your parents don't care. Uh, you can do pretty much whatever you want. Uh, he could have set the house on fire. Nobody, he wouldn't have gotten in trouble. But uh, yeah, he he would stop for breakfast every morning, a couple times a week. So he was late at least a couple times a week. So they say yes, ten is is good. But maybe you have a ten year old who's you know a little apprehensive, a little shy, not uh, doesn't do real good by themselves. So you have to know your child. Every every kid is different. And some of the usual things that you uh, you think about that if you don't have little kids, you probably don't think about. But then once you hear them, you go, oh, that makes sense. Like not having your kid's name visible on their backpack or their lunchbox or anything, anything that somebody who's looking to harm a child could use to get them, get their attention. Now, that whole thing about stranger danger doesn't really hold too much water. Were you? Did you get taught about stranger danger, or are you passed? Are you too young for that? I was like the border of it. Okay, it, yeah. They were phasing it. We maybe had a day on it. it like, oh, it, it was not. You're, you're lucky. Stranger danger. Oh man, Who, stranger danger was everywhere. Stranger danger was behind every bush, and it, that just meant every adult was stranger danger. Because if you didn't know them, they were a stranger, and that meant oh, they were probably trying to murder you. That was every adult was trying to murder you as a kid because they were all going to lure you into a van with candy or a puppy, and then uh, you'd never see your parents again. And this is the kind of lesson we're getting at school. So then we're terrified to actually leave. It's like I, I don't even want to. That's go how home. they get you. That is how they get you. That's how they make you stay in school. Hey, what do you want to go home and meet Stranger Danger on the way? No, I'll just stay here and do more calculus. Um, but strangers aren't the ones who are usually grabbing kids. Um, the center of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children said out of the 27,733 missing children last year, only 142 of those were abducted by someone that was not a family member. So using stranger danger is actually harmful to your kids. So this was something new that I learned today, that people are telling them, about safe adults you know these are these are adults that are safe grown-ups so you can you know you can ask them for help and there if your kids are walking home you have a definite safe zone on the way maybe they walk past a store every day on their way home or their friend's house is right on the way they know that those places are places they can go and the other thing that you know didn't come up when my daughter was young that I, I wish I had known, is that adults who are not good adults are not asking kids for help. 
Like, I'm not going to see a, a little kid on the street and go, hey, will you help me find my puppy? If if So they're saying you should teach your kids to say, not allowed. That's not allowed. Instead of trying to scare them so that everybody is freaking them out. Because, listen, we all everybody's got anxiety now. Anybody under 40 is, is riddled with anxiety. And I, I say that only slightly tongue-in-cheek because I know for the most part it's true. Um, so why, why ingrain that in little children? They're already paranoid anyway because they grow up with those video baby monitors staring into their cribs every day where they can't even, they're afraid to even pass gas because somebody's watching them. Big brother is luring, you know, looming overhead. So don't scare them, just teach them things. And then this is something that, I preach all the time to my daughter, even now at 26, because I went, I lived in the south suburbs of Chicago. I went into the inner city for high school. So I would have to take a train or a bus, or I'd ride part of the way with my dad and then get there the other way. And it was not in a great neighborhood. But so I, I learned early about being aware of my surroundings. Like I don't walk around. Even now, staring at my phone all the time. If I'm out and on the streets, and that sounds that I, that sounds more like uh, dramatic than it, than I mean it to be. But if I'm out walking around, you know, I'm trying to be aware of my surroundings. And since little kids aren't really aware of anything to a certain point, that's something that it's important to start teaching them from a very young age, just to be alert, just to you know, keep your head on a swivel. And again, that sounds more dramatic than I mean it to be, but I think you know what I'm saying. You know, how many times have you been driving your car and some doofus starts walking into the street because they're staring at their phone slack jawed? But oh, look at that TikTok. I don't know. Is that a road? Bam. No, you got to be looking. You got to be. This. And it, it might explain a lot, Matt. I don't even like people walking directly behind me. I I, ta- I joked about the window, but I wasn't really joking about that earlier. Um, but people walking directly behind me, the hairs on the back of my neck stand up, and I'm even if it's my wife and daughter. Like we've had arguments our entire married life, and my entire uh, life with my daughter. Like, don't walk right behind me. Walk next to me. Walk in front of me, but don't walk directly behind me. And now they do it just because they know. No matter how good a mood I'm in, I'm still going to lose my mind. All right. We'll get to more of this. Uh, also, I am enraged by the Milwaukee Public Schools. We'll find out why. <laughs> really? I'm enraged? <laughs> how weird is that? It's WTMJ Nights. The night is still young. To a burning ring of fire. <laughs> Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talk and text line. A couple texts about walking to school. Uh, Judy B. says, I had to walk K-8, K through eight, probably five to six blocks. Just walk with my sister and other neighborhood kids. Rain or shine, no bus service, and my mom didn't drive. Now that was, you know, if the neighborhood school was there five or six blocks, that was, you know, that was not unheard of. That's uh, that's the way. Kathy Kathy from Franklin says, hi, guys. Seven years old, six blocks, sometimes with friends, sometimes alone. I survived. That was uh, around 1958. That's from Kathy. Yeah, I think times have changed, and we've also gotten, you know, we've gotten brainwashed by movies and TVs and reports 
about uh, kids being abducted, and, and they usually they are kids. Kids do get abducted, but as the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children said, out of the thousands and thousands of missing children uh, last year, twenty seven thousand. That uh, excuse me, I got all choked up. That number, uh, that number's terrifying. But uh, only about one hundred forty two were taken by strangers. Everybody else taken by people they know. All right, tomorrow. Milwaukee Public Schools are closed again because it is hot. Now, normally, I would say, oh, boo-hoo, it's hot. But no, a heat index of over 100, that's that's serious hot. That's Phoenix, Arizona hot. But it's it's worse because we have the humidity. Uh, and the reason they're closed, be, not only because of the heat, because there's no air conditioning. Um, in this day and age, it seems inhuman not to have air conditioning in schools now i know a lot of us went to school without air conditioning uh my grade school i think i'm trying to remember it was a small catholic school that we had air conditioning i think but i also remember opening the windows my high school was an old old building no air conditioning and it was miserable and imagine sitting in a classroom trying to learn when it's that hot Imagine trying to teach when it's that. Imagine doing anything when it's that hot. I'm, you know, I'm a big one for hey, some things, some things we can't do. But in this day and age, it doesn't make sense. So they've decided, according to the district, quote, for the safety of all MPS students and staff, we are watching the forecast closely. They've decided to close schools tomorrow. They were closed as well today. There was a big call for air conditioning. In MPS buildings during the 2021 heat wave, that's when teachers were saying that the temperatures in their room were up to 90 degrees. And this is not 90 degrees with a breeze. This is 90 degrees in a closed-in box with not only an adult, but 20-some other people. So you're just, you're just generating heat nonstop. At the time, the superintendent said that air conditioning would be a priority for the district district's covid relief dollars guess what didn't didn't come through uh at that time he said only 17 percent of mps school buildings had air conditioning throughout the building about 63 percent of it had it in one or more rooms oh good we're going to bring all the kids into the one room everybody it's going to be like a one-room schoolhouse in the lunchroom because that's the only place we have air conditioning so everybody's going to sit in there that doesn't that doesn't make sense 20 percent of the buildings no air conditioning at all office gym Nurses' office, classrooms, nothing. At the time, the district estimated that adding air conditioning could cost between about one and a half to two and a half million dollars per building. Uh, one school board member tried to change up the plan uh, because the for, the superintendent at that time, uh, Keith Posley, presented plans for spending the federal relief dollars, but he didn't include air conditioning. So a school board member uh, tried changing the plan. She suggested spending $140 million to add air conditioning to the district's 28 schools, uh, the ones that have early start dates, you know, like the ones that started last week uh, and the ones that have to go this week. But guess what? Yes, voted down. The other board members, and I can hear the arguments now. We didn't have air conditioning when I went to school and I learned just fine. Well, one thing you did not learn is compassion. The other thing is that uh, times change. Uh, I grew up with no air conditioning in the car. That's that seems weird to you, doesn't it, Matt? Air conditioning was not a was not a basic. 
I had 66 and all the way up on my way to work today. See? Like, I can't imagine, imagine not having that. Yes. And a lot of times, like, my dad was a little screwy. Uh, if the windows were this is an old car myth. If the air conditioner, or the air conditioner, if the windows were down, the air would create drag, and so you'd use more gas. He also, when we did get cars with air conditioning, they used more gas if you reuse the air conditioning. So oh, it was very, man. very sparing. Then he, you know. I noticed your, your phone charge is a little slower when you have the AC all the way up, but that's just because the battery's taxed more. That's right. And you know what? I don't need to talk to anybody in But exactly, car. exactly. I, just, I care more about the AC. Right. There's, there is nothing worse anymore than not. And I, we didn't have air conditioning at my house till I was in, I think, fourth or fifth grade. And then, thankfully, I had horrible allergies, and the doctors told my parents, you should probably get air conditioning. Or either that or my dad lied and told my mom that I had allergies <laughs> and we needed to get air conditioning. But doesn't that, way, doesn't that raise the gas bill on the house? Probably. But, <laughs> oh, listen, we didn't turn it on a lot. It was only, like today and tomorrow, we would have turned it on. It would have to be 85 to 90 before my mom would turn it on. Just with, the same with the furnace. You know, if it's 60, just put on a sweater. You know? It's, I agree with that. I'm the same way. I'm that way with the heat. Yes. I'm not that way with the air I'm conditioning. I'm that way with the AC, too. I, I do look forward to the days when you can uh, open the windows. I like, you know, the fall's coming. I like having the windows day. open. That's great. But the minute it starts getting humid, boom, I don't uh, air conditioning. So I can't imagine being in school and trying to concentrate and just sitting there and because, listen, I was not a small child either. Uh, sitting in ninety degree classrooms, I'd be stewing in my own juice. I can't. I can't learn that way. Plus, my entire scholastic career, if the room was too hot, I fell asleep. There was there no two ways about it. Yeah, everybody just dozing. The only person awake is the teacher trying to wake you up, and then they're like, hey, you know what? I might as well lay down too because this is ridiculous. So uh, let's get to work on this. We got to get these kids. Uh, these kids, the staff, the teachers. Everybody uh, deserves air conditioning. It, it's inhumane at this point to not have it in the schools. All right, we're going to uh, take a quick break. Then we're going to check back in with Wyatt Barmore Pooley. He is spinning in the spin room at Fiserv Forum in advance of the Republican primary debate. We'll get to all of that and more. It's WTMJ Nights. Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk at text line. We're about 15 minutes away from the first Republican primary debate. WTMJ News' Wyatt Barmore-Pooley is in the spin room at Fiserv Forum. Wyatt, anything changed as we're getting closer? Is, uh, is the mood a little more tense? Well, it looks like pretty much I'm the only journalist right now standing in the spin room. Everybody else has moved... <laughs> Everybody else has moved to the media filing area with all the long tables and the monitors. It's actually it's being Sean Hannity right now. He was just live wow. on Fox News right behind me at their big setup. I'm uh, the only one still standing around here. It's where they have all of the TV uh, live cameras ready for everybody to do their stand-ups when the, it comes time for it, usually around the top of the hour. And uh, we've seen on the monitors that everybody is pretty much set in the debate hall, everybody's getting to their places okay. as we get ready for the debate. Everybody's it, get, making sure that they're in the right place to uh, to follow along with the debate. The staffers that were milling about here earlier are now, uh, they have left the spin room. They've gone back, I assume, to wherever their campaign is huddling, ready for the debate. Now, Adam Roberts and I were talking about this as 
as the debate ends and that room is now swarmed, do you have a strategy to uh, get up to a prime location to grab whatever sound you need to grab? Because I'm not uh, filing stories like so many of these journalists who are working for digital outlets or papers, because we're, uh, WTMJ's Dylan Carter is handling that, I'm going to pretty much, as soon as, as soon as it looks like the debate's going to be wrapping up, I'm going to make a beeline for the spin room because I'm not very big, Brian. I know you can't really see me on the radio. <laughs> I've said, so I've said next sure. to you, I, I know you are a, you're a man of, uh, not diminutive, but yeah, you're, you and I are different body frames. Yeah, so I've got to make sure I get there as soon as possible so that I can get a spot and stake it out. It's like getting in the front row of a concert, honestly, <laughs> I feel like. Getting up to the fence and uh, making sure you make yourself as wide as possible. Yeah, I have a feeling that uh, reporters are much much more aggressive than people in a mosh pit. Yeah, no, that uh, the pursuit of a story is the only thing stronger than the pursuit of some rock and roll. Now, do they give you, does, uh, who, does the RNC give you guys warnings or tell you, okay, this is, we're getting ready to start, this is where you move, or people just know, okay, now's the time to go to where we're going to be you know, tweeting or filing our stories and we're going to sit in there. We're we're corralled in here pretty good. We're, we're we're stuck in the spin room and the media filing area, but within the space, we have a lot of freedom to move around. I haven't seen people being directed or anything like that. Mostly just moving of their own accord. The way we've been following all along with the logistics is a big countdown clock on all the monitors for Fox News. Uh, it remains to be seen exactly how the end of the debate is going to go. Whether they just uh, wrap it up on on screen and we we all move after that, or whether there'll be a little bit of warning. Well, it's going to be interesting to hear you on with uh, John Mercure and uh, Dr. Ken Harris later, because I am interested to see how how that end portion goes, because the candidates are all done at the same time, and I can only imagine the crush that is going to be in that media room. It'll be fun. Yeah, it should be great. Well, listen, uh, go photobomb Sean Hannity some more. Uh, I got a 10 spot if you put the rabbit ears up behind him. I know you won't because you're a professional. That's why I'm here and you're over there. But uh, good luck staking out your spot. Think big, get big, and uh, we'll be listening for all your updates throughout and at the end uh, on with uh, John and Ken. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Wyatt. That's Wyatt Barmore Pooley. He is at the Pfizer Forum in the spin room getting ready. Oh, man. What would you... All right. You're in a, you're in a room just you and Sean Hannity. What do you say to Sean Hannity? Anything? That's like saying... I don't... I got to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So, uh, well, I've got a... That's a question I'm going to ask later in the show, too. Uh, but we'll, So we'll get to that, so you have time to think about it. All right, we're going to do a quick break. Then we, when we come back, oh, there's so much more to get to on WTMJ Nights. Brian Noonan, 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talking text line. A couple minutes away from the debate, but I, oh, I, I was thinking of you last night, Matt, and not in a weird way that you'd have to report me to HR, but uh, I was watching this documentary on Netflix, a sports documentary, which I, I, I wanted to recommend to you and to everybody else. Uh, there's a series of Netflix documentaries called Untold. Have you heard of those? I've heard of them. Yeah. They're they're really good. Uh, this this new season had Jake Paul, uh, Johnny Football, the 
doctor with the steroid thing um, with Conseco and all that, the doctor at the in the center of that. And then the last one is a four-parter. It's called Swamp Kings, and it's all about the Urban Meyer years at f- the University of Florida. And the four four parts sounds daunting. They're all like 40, 45 minutes. It was unbelievable. Now I remember, you know, I remember when when he went to he went from Utah down to Florida, but I didn't realize like what kind of militaristic coach Urban Meyer is. They had a lot of great footage from back in the day, so it basically went from 2005 to 2010. That was the that was the span of these four pieces of this documentary, and it showed the rise of Tim Tebow, who. I remember him being a big deal, but not being a Florida g- fan. I wasn't that, um, you know, invested. Then he kind of became a punchline. But holy cow, when he was in college, he was the man at University of Florida. They focused on um, some other some other key players and how they won two national championships in three years. And they thought in two thousand nine they were going to win. It was just it was really really good. So if you like college football. I would definitely recommend this. There was a lot. Again, we all we all know the SEC is a you know a crazy powerful conference, but to see how they recruit these guys and the fact the fact that these guys are basically pros for the most part, they focused a little bit on this one um, punt return or kick return specialist who looked exactly like Kevin Hart. He was Kevin Hart's height. To height too and he said they you know everybody was telling me i was too small and i was never going to be recruited and blah 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 and then uh urban meyer came and talked to me he goes from day one you'll be able to play and nobody had told me that so i went to florida and from day one he started he started returning kicks and he was tiny and he was fast um but it was uh it was really good do you remember you're 2010, you were old enough to know football at that age. That was the start. Actually, my love for football started early because of the Chicago Bears making the Super Bowl back in the 06-07 season. And everything after that, whether it's college football, NFL, like that was as I started to get ready into my knowledge of football. Have you been to a game at at an SEC stadium? Not yet. It, I, it's on my bucket list. I've been to Knoxville, not for a game, okay. but walk around, see the right. facilities. I've been to Florida, mm-hmm. seen everything there. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any other SEC schools I've been to. I think that's it in terms of the SEC, or at least what now is what the it SEC. Used, yeah, what used to be the um, SEC. But in terms of big-time college football, like I've been to numerous Northwestern games, sure. U of I, all the local schools. Yeah. I haven't been to Madison yet, but that's on my bucket list. And then the big house, but college football is just another animal. It's great, and that that conference used to be. It's still it's still a top tier conference. It's still the one that a lot of other conferences are measured by. But back then, before they started expanding, I didn't realize one how big the stadiums were, how crazy it was, and now I'm like, oh, I got to go to it. I got to go to an SEC game because, like you, I've been on Florida's campus. I've been on Tennessee's campus. Uh, now Mizzou is in the in the SEC. I was on their campus, um, but yeah, I'd like to go to Tuscaloosa. Uh, I'd like to go to LSU because my daughter went to school in New Orleans. But you know, everybody there it was either 
Tulane or LSU, and it was mostly LSU. I'd like to go to a, a game there. It's it's just amazing, you know. And I've been to Notre Dame games before, and that's a big deal. I haven't been to Camp Randall yet. I'd like to go go there too and see a game. Um, but this was, if you're like I said, if you're a college football fan, and they did focus a little bit on, you know, once they got real popular, the troubles. You know, there were some players arrested, and Urban Meyer was very forthcoming about one particular incident because people said, you know, he looked the other way and he gave people too many chances and wasn't very strict, and he opened up about one particular instance that changed how he looked at things like that. So um, there you go. Untold Swamp Kings. It's four-parter, like 40 minutes each. Sit back, relax, enjoy. Uh, You can do that, too, while we do some business. And then after the news... Oh, we're going to open up the drive through window. Why? Because it's Wednesday, and it's almost 8 o'clock on WTMJ. Butter pecan coffee at Dunkin'. That was Dunkin pretty donuts, good. you mean? Uh, yes. And I was shocked by the bill. Shout out Culver's, yeah. Shout I've heard very good things about their fish ride. I'm going to go to Panera. I'm going to get a bagel sandwich. Doritos and Papa John's are teaming up. Anything that says ranch. That's why I barely watch a Western about cattle drives. Uh, because of you guys, they had to analyze the hamburger. <laughs> we eat fast food quite a lot. We talk about it even more. Let's visit the WTMJ Night drive through window one more time. With Brian Noonan. Oh my goodness, it is Wednesday night. That means it's time for the drive through window. We do it every week just to talk about... There's Here's what's weird. There's always fast food in the news. There's always something going on. The chains are jumping around. Everybody's trying something new. They're trying to get uh, you in their door to spend your money on their grub. 855-616-1620. If you've tried something new and you want to pass along in the drive through window... Uh, we are always looking for something. Now, tonight, we are kind of, uh, we're locked in here. We can't wander out to get food. We are almost prisoners uh, in our gilded cage here at WTMJ because the food court, the uh, food hall is all closed down. There's a big private event in there. I don't know what, uh, I don't know what's happening. All the, it's, uh, it's some sort of RNC thing. So we'll see. But they're all over there. The debate has started. Uh, I, this is the last thing I'll say about the debate. Uh, boy. These people look uncomfortable trying to smile. Every one of them. The smile looks so insincere and forced. It is hilarious. Ron DeSantis, I can't hear anything. But I see his mouth moving to talk, and then he ends, and he makes this thing like, I think I'm supposed to smile, but he's gritting his teeth. There's like, and yeah, they're all goofy. All right, let's get to the drive-thru window. Because uh, I know, Matt, you brought your food tonight, so you don't have to wander out. Because you're going to be here to what, 3, 4 in the morning, right? That's up to John Merck here. I think, John, <laughs> I think John, John did say to me that he wants to do about an eight-hour post-debate show. Eight-hour post-debate, nine-hour post-debate. I just got to be in Chicago at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. Go as long as you want. All right. You're, you're pushing it. You scheduled yourself pretty tight. I don't know. Good luck. Uh, Wendy's starts our fast food exploration tonight. Um Just in time for college football season, we were talking about college football before, Uh, Wendy's is unveiling its new loaded nacho cheeseburger and queso fries. Because nothing says, I want to watch finely tuned collegiate athletes than eating like a maniac. Uh, The loaded nacho cheeseburger is uh, part of Wendy's made-to-crave lineup. 
It's a blend of crunchy, cheesy, juicy goodness. That's how my wife describes me. Crunchy, cheesy, juicy goodness. Uh, they say you'd expect that from nachos, but it's elevated with poblano, queso, crispy corn, and tortilla strips, along with spicy chipotle sauce, all served on a toasted jalapeno cheddar bun. Oh, my goodness. It is quite, quite the burger. Uh, but if you don't like beef, that's all right. You want to get that as a chicken sandwich? Why not? Sure, we can do that. We can get you the loaded nacho chicken sandwich. No big deal. Uh, so they, they're claiming it's all the nacho flavors that you loved. And nothing, according to Wendy's, pairs better with a loaded nacho cheeseburger than queso fries. Am I the only person who doesn't like cheese fries? That makes two of us. You don't like cheese fries either? Good. I, I, I like... I can tolerate the taste of cheese on fries as if you're dipping fries in ketchup, like just a little bit. But once you get to the loaded cheese fries and I have to dig through it, and I'm the first person to, when I'm at the ballpark, for example, and they give you those cup of fries, right? to go to the condiment station and just put all the ketchup in the fry cup instead of getting all those little tins. It makes life yeah, a whole lot easier. Exactly. But I can't do that with cheese. It's just disgusting. Yeah, my wife and daughter are the opposite. They like those cheese cups. They'll put the cheese on everything. I, no. Cheese belongs on a burger, uh, maybe some nachos, but no, I don't like cheese fries. But anyway, the, a lot of people do. Loaded nacho cheese fries uh, or queso fries, they're not, listen, maybe you will like these, Matt, because they're not your average cheese fries. That's what they tell us. Um, it's made with the same poblano queso that's in the cheeseburger for the optimal kick. Maybe that's what we've been missing. In our, maybe we've been missing an optimal kick when it came to our cheese fries. We're just using bland canned cheese. We didn't have that uh, poblano queso, which just means pepper cheese in English. <laughs> so that's so anyway. That uh, that's it. Says fans are craving it. Oh. It could be a, a new fast food release that fans are craving. That's well. That's what they say. That's, <laughs> uh, who am I to? You know, it was on the internet. I can't. Uh, I'm not going to try to dispel that rumor. Um, but <laughs> so uh, that's yeah. The, the fries and they've got uh, some. You know. Oh, they've also got. Uh, you can choose from applewood smoked bacon or savory grilled sausage patty on uh, on uh, some of their new sandwiches too. So that's uh, that's good. Popeyes. We rare we rarely get a new uh, Popeyes story on the drive through window, but uh, who doesn't love uh, who doesn't love that chicken from Popeyes? Probably people with a heart condition. But that's neither here nor there, is it? Popeyes is introducing another exciting menu item. And remember, folks, I didn't write this. These are these are what they want want us to hear. But some of these do sound good. Uh, Popeyes has this. It's only available for a limited time. Oh, we build up the scarcity. Remember when that? Remember when Popeyes first released their chicken sandwich and people were shooting each other over it? Popeyes knows how to create hype. I gotta give Popeyes that, uh, you know. And I listen. I don't. I'm not gonna ever throw shade at that Popeyes chicken sandwich. It is top tier. I'm I'm a hundred percent behind that chicken sandwich. But I do love that they will create limited time, limited release. Uh, there's only one in the state of Wisconsin, and if you don't get it, you're going to regret staying alive past today. They have announced the arrival of sweet and spicy wings. Features six crispy battered chicken wings marinated in sweet 
and spicy blend of chili, garlic, and ginger. And of course, Matt, you you might have been thinking this already. Comes at a perfect time because the NFL season starts September seventh. Perfect timing. They're already available in some locations. Um, there's there's still debate over if they're very saucy or if it's just a glaze. Uh, so I guess you'll have to try yourself. I don't. Now wait, Popeyes had they just brought out nuggets last year. That was their big thing. They were going to have nuggets. I don't know. I I like I haven't had it for a while, but I like Popeyes chicken. Here's an interesting fun fact. Popeye's chicken in New Orleans, where it was created, tastes 100% different and better than it does anywhere else in the world. I don't know if they have some special New Orleans spices. I don't know if they use voodoo. I don't know what they do down there, if there's gator blood in the mix. But, man, you get you get yourself some Popeye's in New Orleans, and it's fine dining, my friend. I'm not going to lie to you about that. McDonald's is always in the news on the drive through window. We love hearing about McDonald's. What do they have in store? Well, you're just going to have to hang on to your hats, and I will tell you after this on WTMJ Nights. And cold beer on Friday night, a pair of jeans that fit just Oh, my goodness, it's WTMJ Nights. The drive through window is open, as it is every week. If you want to jump in, 855-616-1620. That's the Old National Bank. Talking text line, Old National Bank. Get old. Uh, McDonald's is launching two new breakfast sandwiches. Unfortunately, they're just teasing us in America by only releasing them in Canada. Canada doesn't, doesn't need bigger breakfast sandwiches. We do. They are introducing jazzed up, heftier, the Mighty McMuffin and a Mighty McGriddle. Yes. Oh, my goodness. This is, you know what that means? It means more meat. That's what it means. Because I know if you've been getting a Mc, uh, McGriddle, you're like, this is good. I need double the meat. Yes. So the Mighty McMuffin comes with a double portion of bacon, freshly, freshly cracked Canadian grade A egg. Now, that's different than the, the pour-out egg they, <laughs> they use in the U.S. How come we don't get that? Yeah, because we're America. We don't care. We'll drink we'll drink milk that co- or eggs that come in a milk carton. We don't, it's like, whatever. Is it, is it yellow? Yeah, then it's an egg. Put it in there. We we don't care. But they freshly crack their eggs in Canada because they're just nicer. That's why it's it's Canada. They're, you know, they're just, they're just gonna give you a real egg, cheddar cheese, sausage patty on it, so you get bacon and sausage. Hmm. You know that's why the Mounties are so good because they eat a lot of protein. In the McGriddle, you get all the same elements, but they're sandwiched between two sweet maple flavor griddle cakes. Instead of an English muffin, I gotta say, Canada, good on you. That's uh, that's pretty good. Two griddle cakes. They also have a chicken Big Mac in Canada. That's listen. All these people who say if so and so wins an election, we're gonna move to Canada. Right now, it doesn't sound too bad. You get some socialized health care. You get a chicken Big Mac. Life's life's dandy, um, and. If it now see this is what McDonald's you got to cut us in you're you're from America don't give all the good stuff to Canada they're also brought back the uh, snack wraps they're still serving them up there people are in an uproar here because they can't get snack wraps um, so if it goes well in Canada 
there is a good a good chance that uh, it could come here to America, but you know, I guess we're when it comes to McDonald's, we're just second class citizens. We don't get the mighty McMuffin or the, the, the mighty McGriddle. Uh, this is the weirdest thing. This is a McDonald's. You know, everybody since the pandemic, a lot of places have rightfully said that it's you know hard to hard to get workers. Their workforce is low, and especially at restaurants, fast food restaurants have historically been a place where there's a lot of turnover. Think about it. For a lot of us, we worked in a fast food restaurant in high school or college. We didn't stay there. We were there for a summer or whatever. That's how that's how it is. Well, one McDonald's um, has gotten so upset. This one franchise has taken a very controversial approach, attempting to address the problem. They are uh, maybe doing something illegal. They they have displayed a sign prohibiting employees from quitting, declaring themselves a no quit restaurant. I think that's that's one of the ways they locked us in here tonight. <laughs> we're like we're, we can't go anywhere. Might be the same kind of thing. No, there. Yes, imagine going to work at McDonald's and them going, you can't, you can never quit. It's like it's like being sentenced to hell. <laughs> You've come in and you can never leave. That's like a coach telling you to have fun. Yeah. Do coaches tell you to have fun? They yeah, don't that's always it. rule number 10, have fun. Yeah, they don't mean that. Uh, yeah. So this is, you You have to, now, one, you cannot enforce that. Because you, know you know how I quit or no quit McDonald's? Walk out. I just don't show up. I go home after my shift, and I never go back. Guess what? What are you going to do? Are you, the manager. Wait, but now come? they're short staffed. Are they going to hire somebody to come to your house and ensure that you come to work? Maybe they have a, like a McDonald's truant officer, and at uh, ten o'clock, he's like, "Are you in there, Matt? You were supposed to be on fries. Let's go. I'm not coming in. You work at a no quit restaurant. Get out here. No, I'm not here. <laughs> then why are you answering me? Get outside. You get on the fries. <laughs> yeah, you get on the fries, Jackson. Leave me alone. I don't want to come back in. Then you shouldn't have come to work at a no-quit McDonald's, jerk. Um, so yeah, these this McDonald's is very uh, very upset. They can't. They're saying your the employees cannot uh, resign without prior approval from management. I would like to uh, quit, please. No. What do you mean no? No, you can't. But I'm I'm leaving for college in a week. No, you're not. Huh? You're not. You can, you're not going to college. You're staying here. You're it's like gonna... George Costanza with the girlfriend that wouldn't break up with him. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying we need to get wedding invitations from this McDonald's manager? Uh, n- not in that specific George Costanza oh, relationship. I don't, listen, I maybe, don't know. Maybe maybe a little earlier in the show. <laughs> you're taking this very seriously, Matt. You've uh, you've taken you've taken this to a turn I was not uh, prepared uh, to hey, go to. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to explain the reference here, but All right, that's fine. I got gotcha. you. All right, one more drive-through window story. Now that Matt has called for uh poisoning people. Uh I don't condone it, just so you know. I uh, listen, Matt's a loose cannon. I you know He's part of the show. He goes off on his own. I don't know. Bad news for uh, Russians. That could be could be any number of things. But Domino's has decided to close all its outlets in Russia. Yes, it is one of the first major Western fast food chains to enter the country, exit the country rather, since McDonald's and Starbucks did it at the beginning of the war with Ukraine. 
the company that owns the license for Domino's in Russia. Uh, they also own it in uh, Kazakhstan and Georgia and uh, Azerbaijan. They're filing for bankruptcy. <laughs> They're just like, we can't sell enough pizzas in Russia anymore. So no more Domino's pizza in Russia. What might happen is what has happened with like McDonald's and Starbucks in Russia, where private local companies have bought them and kind of run them the same way. So now um, uh, McDonald's is now a, a Russian word that translates to tasty, period, and Starbucks became Star's Coffee. So the Russians can still get a facsimile of McDonald's and Starbucks, but they can't. I don't know. I don't know about the facsimile with uh, Domino's Pizza, but if you know, I'm a Russian and I, you know, I'm trying to get some uh, inexpensive pizza fast. I'm going to be very upset that Domino's is closing. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to admit this. Last night, you know how every once in a while you get a taste for something. You had a taste for Domino's last night. I did have a taste for Domino's last night. Did you order said Domino's? I did. What'd you get? I we got oh we did the two mediums for six ninety nine each. Oh, how about that? How can you, you can't be fourteen bucks for two pizzas? Oh, fantastic! Because on the you know what makes it even better on the receipt they show you what it would have been the the full price. Wow! It was like I saved like forty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so you get a two topping pizza for six ninety nine. Plus it's ready in twelve minutes. You deliver? Did you pick it up? We pick it up. I'm not you know I uh, I delivered Domino's for a while uh, back way back. And, uh, you know, it takes a while. I like to be there right when they come off the conveyor belt. And I got to tell you, it tasted exactly like my mind was preparing me for. I took the first bite and I was like, yep, this is it. They've got, I'm not on Domino's payroll yet. But Are you sure you listening... didn't work at a no-quit Domino's? Well, I'm here. <laughs> they're, probably still, they're probably still calling my old number. Uh, why was not he answer? I don't know. <laughs> that was like 30 years ago. Um, but, man, they got the, their sauce is very spicy now. And it's it's that comfort food. You know, it's not my go-to pizza, but I went to it last night, and I was not disappointed. All right, that's our drive through window for this week. We're going to take a quick break. In the middle of our streets, our house. Oh, my goodness. Do you think you're a good host? What about being a house guest? Are you a good house guest? Sure, everybody's going to say, oh, I'm a great house guest, but you may not be a very good house guest. We've all said to people, oh, yeah, you want to stay at my house? You make it, uh, make my place is your place. Mi casa, su casa. Come on over, make yourself at home. And then people make themselves at home, and we're like, oh, we didn't mean that. Um, new study came out that I saw, and I, I'm going to be the first to admit this. Maybe you're like this, too. I don't enjoy people staying at my house. I like people coming to visit. I like entertaining. I don't like people staying at my house long term. So past one night, if you're if you're at my house for a party and uh, you know maybe you had a couple of pops and you don't want to drive, that's cool. Use a guest room, sleep on a couch, uh, cuddle up on the dog bed, whatever you want to do, that's great. But I am. How do I put this delicately? Why bother? I'm very set in my ways, and I don't like my routine disrupted. It can be disrupted short-term, but long-term, no way. So I'm not a fan of people staying at my house. And I also, on the flip side, don't like staying at other people's houses. 
if I'm going somewhere, I I want to see the people that I'm visiting. I want to socialize with them. Then I want to go to a hotel. I don't want to. It, I don't know. Do you like? Well, see, this is different. Like your age, when I was your age, Matt, I liked the camaraderie of staying with you know my buddies and we, you know, that kind of thing. I think as you get older, your desire and your patience for uh, sleepovers becomes less and less. It's nice because when you know you're saving money, it's worth it. If I got a friend here, then I'll stay at his place. He'll stay at my place when he comes to town. Yeah. Then each of you win. However, I agree with you when you get to actually don't mind it as long as it's within a reasonable quantity. Like take this past summer, my brother's fraternity came over to my house. And when I say fraternity, the whole fraternity fraternity. So his entire class or some people below, I think it was about five or six people. And so he texts me up and he says, we're arriving like a day before everybody else does. Can these three people stay at our house that one night? And I'm like, okay, you're going to show up at 11 o'clock. You're going to be out by 11 o'clock the next morning. It's just a place to lay your head have at it because another one of his friends lived in Chicago too and has a much bigger place than we do. <laughs> like massive, like a yeah. giant place where if you had five people staying there, they each would have their own wing. Oh, nice. And so I obviously say yes. One day passes, two day passes, three days pass, and then numbers keep on multiplying. Oh, you got five people. No. It's six people. It's no. seven people. I'm like, oh, hey, you're new here. When'd you get here? No, that's too... No. It gets to three days, and I talk to him. I say, look, how long is this going on? Because I live in a three-bedroom unit in a four-flat. So I have my room. My brother has his. And then my mom has her room. She wasn't home at the time. She was out of town. So we had three people in her room, (laughs) three people on a couch that we turned into a makeshift bed, Two people on an air mattress, and I think there was somebody on the floor. That's too much. Uh, and, I, and I get up in the morning. I get up early because I have stuff to do. You're a busy I, man. I make breakfast, and then people are getting mad at me because the living room's right off the kitchen. Oh, well. And I'm like, too bad, so sad. Like, come on. Yeah, go to a hotel. Like, that's, where I, that's where I draw the line. I don't blame you. That, that's ridiculous. Um, this study was asking people who were the worst house guests. Uh, after you've told somebody, come on, you can stay for a little bit. Uh, 72% of people have told people, make yourself, make yourself at home. Out of those people, 91% have regretted saying that. Just like, just like you. Matt is part of that 91%. I am as well. Um, some of the reasons that respondents have regretted allowing people to make themselves at home, uh, included guests expecting more meals than planned. Overstaying their welcome. Boy, this sounds like you were the only respondent to this. And making a mess. Out of friends, siblings, and in-laws, who do you think, according to this study, makes the worst guests? Friends, siblings, or in-laws? It in-laws. Is, no. Three. Friends. Fifty-four. 42% said friends. Thirty-nine percent said siblings, and thirty-seven percent said in-laws. 
I can see that now. Because in-laws, if you have kids, they're going to help out, make your life easy. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, you want to see the the grandkids and that kind of thing. Um, And friends, as much as you love your friends, sometimes your friends, uh, you know... Or goofballs. It did make a TV show about a sibling moving into his brother's house and overstaying his welcome. Is that two and a half men? Bingo. All right. He, Alan still hasn't left. <laughs> he still hasn't. Oh no, that's that's horrifying. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. Here, are, here are some of the things. And if you are like Matt or I and don't like people staying at your house, or you have a story of maybe it was a friend, maybe it was a sibling, maybe it was an in-law. That came to your house and was the guest from hell? Please share. 855-616-1620. That's the Old National Bank talk and text line. Old National Bank, get old. We'll do this, then there's more. It's WTMJ Nights. But be our guest. Put our service to the test. Tie your neck wow. around your neck. You are going deep. Little Lumiere from Beauty and the Beast. Very nicely done. Uh, the Beast would be a bad guest. Uh, I'd leave hair everywhere, shower, the drain would be just clogged. I have a feeling you'd eat way too much. So the beast, not a good guest. That's what we're talking about on WTMJ Nights. What makes a bad guest? And if you've had a bad guest, what did they do and how did you remedy it? Um, there's also, according to this, and this is, I, I lost my mind when I read this. Uh, in order to be a good host, according to this um, survey, because 75% of the people who were surveyed thought they were a good host. 31% said they were a very good host. And I believe I am a good host. If you come to something at my house, there's always plenty of food. There's plenty to drink, whether it's uh, waters or uh, pop or alcohol. There, there's plenty of stuff. There's a lively conversation. There, you know, there's stuff to do. It's a good time, I think, if you come to my house. And I try to make people feel at home. I try to make people feel comfortable. When you're at a party at my place, help yourself, whatever you want. The, the, the stuff's there. It's all here for, for us. Just go and, and have a good time. But according to this, uh, according to be a good host, or in order to be a good host, over four in ten have purchased a new bed or mattress for people to sleep on when they stay the night. No. No chance. Uh, I I think maybe we bought an air mattress one time when my daughter was in high school because she was having a bunch of girls over, but they were sleeping in the basement. That's, so, that's fine. I'm not buying a whole new bed. No, I'm not buying a new bed. Uh, some have purchased, purchased new furniture to ensure their guests are comfortable. Who are these people? I got somebody staying at my house. <laughs> I've got somebody staying at my house. I better go out and get a new bedroom set, including a new mattress, because I do not want to be judged. I do not want to be judged by my guests who are going to say, oh, we were going to we stayed a night at Brian's house and the mattress was so lumpy. I barely got to sleep at all. No, thank you. All right. So uh, Margaret wants to jump in. She's on WTMJ. Hi, Margaret. Good evening. Hope you're staying cool. I'm trying my best. So my brother had some extra wood when he was doing a project, and uh, he got a piece of plexiglass, and he made a mini bar on the wall in the guest bedroom. It's adorable. And on top of it, so as a joke, he'll have soda and, um, like, candy bars and stuff and alcohol, the mini alcohol, 
And then as a joke, he has a price sheet on it. <laughs> and depending on who's staying there, he'll up, he'll up the price on certain items that he knows that person really loves as a joke. So it's adorable. Oh, that is, you know what? That's a I love that idea, Margaret. And maybe you know, maybe not even as a joke. I, I that is fantastic. Thank you for the call. Yeah, there you go. You can make some money with from I, your guests. I know that that uh, hatred of them. Uh, well, I don't ha- I don't hate the people. I hate the fact that they're at my house. That's I guess that's Correct. a difference. <laughs> Thanks, Margaret. Uh, that I like that idea. Create a mini bar to. <laughs> Create a mini bar for your guests, just like the mini bars in the hotels. That would be fun. All right, here's some of the behaviors uh, that make you a horrible a guest. Uh, expecting more meals than was expected. I don't. I'm trying to remember the last time somebody, for a while, and this had to be, oh boy, this was a long, long time ago. My bro- One of my brothers stayed with us for a few months. But he he cooked his own stuff. He you know it was it, it, that was fine. Overstayed their welcome. That sounds like Matt's. Uh, yep. Matt's. That's number two. Expected more snacks and drinks than I had. Maybe stop having freeloaders stay at your house. Oh, How about I, that? I have. This is way back in the day, but there was this one. I felt bad for this kid. This was back in middle school. Okay. He was basically his parents had an eight o'clock bedtime for him Ooh. and a zero junk food policy. Oh, no. So he'd be like a golden retriever when the doorbell rings. <laughs> he'd come over to my house, and we had this snack cart in the laundry room that had chips and candy, all the junk food that you could wow. possibly... Because like, it, was, it was just one of those things where it was in the basement, and yes, it would be monitored and moderated, but it, it would just be there. And so he would come over... Come in. I wouldn't even have the chance to take my shoes off, and he's already gnawing at a snack. <laughs> I know where that snack cart is. Get out of the way, Matt. Let me in. I got to get that snack cart. Uh, made a mess in my home. Hogged the bathroom. Oh, see, that's another reason I don't like people staying in my house. Because if I have to go, I got to go. Also, the other thing that could happen in the bathroom. Yes, I don't know. Don't uh, don't napalm my bathroom. Uh, woke me up early, kept me up late, arrived uninvited. They, I don't let people in the house if they arrive uninvited. Who, who does the, uh, to go back to your sci-fi, uh, who does a drop-in? Nobody does a drop-in and expects to stay. <laughs> it's like, the age I, of phones, no one does that. No, and I could, all right, like, I don't know. Who would, uh, if, if my mom or one of my brothers knocked on my door, that's fine. They're in the neighborhood. They came by to say hi. I know they're not going to stay over. They're gonna be, oh, by the way, uh, our house burned down. We're, we're going to stay here. Not to pile on another story. That actually happened. You had a you had a surprise visitor that stayed? Not to me, but it was my mom's birthday. And one of her old college buddies surprised her in town. And so she was staying at another college friend's house across town. And she shows up. Not the best of shape. It was a Friday night, and she shows up at the house. It's like nine ten o'clock at night, and we weren't going to let her go back in that car. <laughs> and so what actually happened is my mom drove her to the hotel where she was, I think, staying, and they stayed there together, but it, she just knocked on the door. Oh, my God. And out of... Nowhere, 
And I knew who she was, so it wasn't like there was someone creepy at the door. I know who it was. Still knocking but, at the door still, at that time of night's creepy. And also, my mom didn't get a text. There wasn't anything. Nothing. Did she bring Nothing. a birthday present at least? I don't think so. See, nah, nah, that's unacceptable. Yeah, I don't. And somebody knocks on my door the middle of the night. There, you know who's going to greet them? The police <laughs> and the dogs, because that is it. I'm going to unleash the hounds, Smithers, and we're going to go at them. Uh, the the last reason broke some of my belongings. So do not be a bad house guest. Uh, and don't believe this study when it comes to being a good host. You don't have to refurnish your house just because somebody is coming to stay. All right, we're going to. Uh, we're going to do a little biz, and then we can't, when we come back, maybe you heard this story of a 10-year-old who just, you know, and had a little, uh, a little too many fluids, had to relieve himself, and then ended up in the Huskow. Well, there's some fallout from all that. We'll talk about that and more. WTMJ Nights. Oh, it is WTMJ Nights. Glad you're here. Normally, we'd be saying, hey, we're getting ready to wrap it up. No chance, baby. Tonight, we're going till 10. Why? I don't know. We're just commandeering the place. Things are nuts. No, of course we're going till 10, because after that, it is going to be John Mercure and the Truth's Dr. Ken Harris with a big decision, Wisconsin post-debate show. They are going to go through everything you need to know about what happened during the debate. Uh, speaking of that, we got a text from a caller on the 262 saying, Why was I roped into watching this dysfunction? If someone would actually answer the question, maybe a debate would actually break out. Yeah, welcome to modern politics. This is, and you know what? This is not unique to the uh, GOP. It's going to be the same if there's a debate on the Democratic side. Nobody answers a question because they've all been programmed with their uh, their own little talking points, their own little their lists. We saw that um, you saw that leaked list uh, from. The DeSantis campaign, maybe it was from uh, some uh, consultants, whatever. Uh, talk about this, hit this, do this. That's they're, they're all programmed to do that stuff. That's that's what we get instead of actual uh, actual debates. Oh, Margaret, who called before, sent a picture of the mini bar that her brother built and put in the uh, guest room. It do- oh, it has little liquor bottles, and then it has like candies and snacks, and it does have a mini bar price list. I don't know. If I'm if I'm Margaret's brother's friend, but she said he adjusts it for people. So maybe if you're a really close friend, it's half off. Maybe if you're the mother-in-law, price is doubled. Could be, you know. All right, this was uh, this story was insane, and it gets more insane. This is from Senatobia, Mississippi. I know you summer there, Matt, and uh, <laughs> love Senatobia, Mississippi. Uh, for for reference, it's about 40 miles uh, south of Memphis, Tennessee. So it's down there in Mississippi. And uh, the other day, there was a 10-year-old boy. His mom ran into her lawyer's office, and uh, for whatever reason, maybe it had, uh, you know, a big gulp, whatever it was, he had to relieve himself. So he relieved himself behind his mom's car. And let's be honest, gentlemen, who of us hasn't? relieve themselves outside. Well, uh, some overzealous Senatobia police officers took that 10-year-old into custody. Now, um, I know people, I am not one of them, and, and I'm being honest, who have gotten a ticket for that, but they were, you know, college kids or adults who maybe had a little too much and they were behind a dumpster in an alley and they the cops saw them 
and uh, they got a ticket. They weren't hauled in to uh, to the pokey because they had to uh, had to make water outside. Well, after the big uproar about this uh, this ten year old, imagine you're ten and. You're you're left in the car by yourself, and all of a sudden you have to go to the bathroom, and you don't know what to do. And it's like, ah, all right, I'll just go behind the car. That makes sense. That makes sense to me. But then imagine the cops rolling up and throwing you in the squad car. That part is where it, it got really around the bend. Well, that cop has been relieved of duty, and that is not a euphemism. He has been fired. He is no, you like that one, Matt? Uh, he's no longer employed. And some other officers, I like that there were more officers than one involved in this. Like there was an all-points bulletin in Senatobia. Uh, yeah, car 54, we've got a, a young man uh, behind a car. What's he doing? Um, you know, he's... Uh, <laughs> there's a puddle on the floor, on the ground. Oh, well, then we better send more units. So there were a lot of officers involved in this. Thankfully, uh, the child was not handcuffed or, you know, fingerprinted or, you know, didn't have himself a Rudy Giuliani mugshot, which is happening now in Georgia. Did you see Rudy's mugshot? He did not look happy, by the way. One young young woman, I don't know who she was, uh, she gave the, she gave a real, like a glamour shot headshot. Everybody else in this, uh, in this uh, debacle down in uh, Georgia. <laughs> They, they don't look happy getting their mug shots. This one woman, oh, man, she was glamoured up. She was looking good. Anyway, so they're, uh, they're not, we're not clear as to whether the officer was fired or quit. Uh, the police chief hasn't said what kind of discipline the other officers are going to face. Um, he wasn't handcuffed or charged. Um, the officers did issue a citation, but not for public urination, uh, for a child in need of services. What, dry pants? Is that the service that he needed? But we don't know if the, uh, we don't know if it had been rescinded, the, uh, citation. So I hate to see people lose their job, but, uh, if he did lose his job, maybe he just quit because he was like, you know what? It's not worth it. Uh, I'm tired of bring, I'm tired of bringing in 10 year olds who wet their pants. This is just not happening. So that is that he is, he is out of a gig. All right. It is almost time for the news. We have another hour that is unusual for WTMJ Nights, but we are bridging the gap between now and 10 o'clock. That's when the big post-debate show is on with uh, Wisconsin's afternoon news anchor John Mercure and Dr. Ken Harris from 101.7 The Truth. They will have everything you need to know about this debate. Uh, I will tell you at this point in the debate, so far, Mike Pence has had the most airtime at five minutes and 26 seconds. Uh, the least airtime? Oh, no. Poor Doug Burgum. He's hobbled out on stage. He's only gotten to talk for two minutes and 46 seconds. All right. Uh, where is uh, Vivek is second. DeSantis is third with four minutes and 16 seconds. Tim Scott, then Chris Christie. Uh, they're only two seconds apart. Nikki Haley is right there at three minutes and 48 seconds. And then, uh, you know, Asa Hutchinson and Doug Burgum. You would think at some point he'd just start crying that he was in pain and they'd give him more time to talk since he bought his way on. All right, we got to do this. Then it's news time. It's WTMJ. W- the day is over, but the night has just begun. 
This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. What? I am not Dave Ramsey. That is correct. Yes, an unprecedented fourth hour of WTMJ Nights. Are you, you going to hold up through it, Matt? You've only got like 18 more hours before you get to go home. Oh, we're ready to rock and roll. Yeah. Hour four bonus nights. What's oh, not my to goodness. Love? I don't know. I, I see in there you've drank about 17 Propel waters. You are, uh, you are hydrated. Last to our first show. Man, oh, man, oh, man. With my roommate stealing the Propel. Now That's you right. see why. I see. Yeah, you just bring them in. Man, nice job staying hydrated. I've been... Uh, Drinking the coffee. But yes, we are here. If you're tuning in and you're thinking, oh, I, I need some investment advice. Here's investment advice. Send me some money and I will make you happy. I don't know how, but that's really bad investment advice. So if you listen to it, uh, uh, oh, well, buyer beware. That's all I can say. No, uh, Dave Ramsey's not here uh, right now. I think Dave Ramsey's coming up later. The last part of Dave Ramsey, is that correct? Should be if our, when our maybe deba- right after our debate coverage. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, you can go one night without investing money, can't you? Because tonight's a big night. It's oh the, yeah, it's debate night in America. <laughs> it's almost as big as the Super Bowl. Not even close. But uh, so Dave Ramsey isn't here because we're staying on until ten o'clock. Once the debate is over, uh, Wisconsin's afternoon news anchor John Mercure and uh, 101.7 The Truth's Dr. Ken Harris are going to be in here, and they are going to give you the big post-debate wrap-up show, Decision Wisconsin, and uh, they're, they've got everything. They're, they're watching the debate right now. They're taking copious notes. They're making sure they pull some audio. Wyatt Barmore-Pooley is over at Fiserv Forum in the spin room. He's going to get ready as soon as the candidates are off. Wyatt is going to fight his way to the front uh, to get the best audio that he can and get it back here to give you everything you need to know in a nice, concise package. If you didn't want to spend two hours watching the debate, uh, let me tell you, they do not look happy. I don't know what they're saying. I, I know I feel bad that uh, Matt and I did not wear black suits, white shirts, and red ties because that seems to be the outfit of the night. But, man, nobody looks like they're having a good time up there. In fact, I did see one close captured. It looked like Chris Christie was actually complimenting Mike Pence. He was. And Mike Pence was looking at him like he wanted to stab him in the heart. Like he was waiting. It had that look like Mike Pence was going, all right, when's he going to break bad on me? When's he going to break bad on me? It's just with that, again, I'm not <laughs> listening to it. I'm yeah, just reading, I'm reading closed captions here and there and reading the facial expressions. <laughs> when Chris Christie was complimenting the former vice president, he looked like he was irate about complimenting him. Yeah, he was mad. He was mad that he had to compliment him. Mike Pence was mad that he was getting complimented. Uh, Chris Christie has taken the old Walter Mondale hold a pen thing that Walter Mondale did because uh, he had had an injury. Um, so that's why he held a pen. Chris Christie has a sharpie. I don't know if he's planning on signing eight by tens in the spin room or if he's filling out you know an OTB form. I don't know what he's got the sharpie for, but he is uh, he's waving it around. All right. This is something I don't, I'm not naive to the fact that we are all being watched. And that's not, I don't think I'm being paranoid. Um, You know, your cell phone can be tracked. Your internet history can be tracked. Everything can be tracked. People know if you have an iPass for the expressway or the tollway, you can be tracked. How many uh, procedurals have you seen where they go, well, you said you were in uh, New Jersey, but your, your iPad said you were in Manhattan and uh, bah, 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 law and order. 
Do you have location sharing with people in your life, especially like your partner? Do you share your location with them? Do you consider it safe, a safety issue or a privacy invasion issue? Now, I don't share my location with anybody other than, you know, the satellites in the sky and the black helicopters that were flying by here earlier. I I have nothing to hide, but one, I don't go anywhere that exciting that <laughs> that people would like. I'm not. There's no chance I'm going to fall down a canyon, and somebody's going to have to come rescue me. That's not. So I don't need my location finder on. I think I have find my iPhone uh, turned on. So I guess Apple. I have location services with Apple. But my wife doesn't have it on me. I was very shocked to to learn that my wife has my daughter's location turned on on her phone. Now you're nodding, Matt. Do you have? Does your mom have your location turned on? Yep. Does she really? Yeah, and she's good about it. She doesn't say anything like, "Oh, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here." It's more so in the event of. If it's late at night and I tell her I'm going to be home by this time, then she knows where I am. Okay. But also, I got to give credit to her, respecting the fact that I'm out of college, I'm an adult now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the only time she will use the location tracker, and she uses it through Find My iPhone, is if I am staying at home and if I'm supposed to be there. Like, if I'm at school... Or if I'm staying someplace else that night, I'm not sure. She might check it. I don't know. But she won't bother me about it. She okay. Like, if I'm staying at my grandma's, she won't say, are you at grandma's yet? Okay. She'll just assume you're going to get She'll there. She'll assume I get there, and I don't know if it's late and I'm not at grandma's yet. She might text me or say something, but okay. she usually doesn't keep tabs on me. The last time she kept tabs on me to the point where I got mad was when I was in South Dakota doing baseball. And oh, really? Yeah, oh, wow. Because okay. it, it was yeah. the height of COVID. We had an outbreak within the locker room. Ooh. And we decided to end our season. It, there was less than a week left in the season. And at that point, it was 14-day quarantine. We were just, oh, yeah. we were just done. Forget it. The owner wouldn't let us. Were you on a no-resign baseball contract? I think so. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> because we were supposed to have 500 people in the stands on a Friday night, and it was supposed to be the best night of the year, the biggest night, a lot of money. <laughs> but nobody can play because but they're all under quarantine. No, no one can play because we had a positive <laughs> test in the dugout, and uh, everybody who was on the active roster that night is a close contact. Okay. Anyways, so I'm at the ballpark, and we're all under the impression of, you know, there's a positive test in the locker room. At this point, we're at the point of no return. If you have it, you have it. If you don't yeah. have it, you don't have it. It's the way it is. And so we were still at the ballpark waiting to see what to do, and it was getting late. We were negotiating with the owner to say, look, we got to end this right now. we got to send the other team home. they got to get tested. We all have to get tested. And if you can't provide that for us, we're done. Yeah, you're going to walk. And so it's getting late. We're talking. And she's like, why are you still at the ballpark? You said you were going back to your place. Wow. Yeah, that's not that. That's and so that's a little overstep. I, I got I got mad because I was like, look, like I told her I was point blank. I was honest with her. I said, look, 
here's what's happening. We're trying to make this happen. And she's like, well, you're going to leave? Like, you're increasing your chance of exposure by being with them. Yeah, and that's I, one where you, yeah. you understand your mom's worried about your health, but it's like, I'm I'm in the middle of something. This is my job. Exactly. Chill. And I'm also, at that point, I'm at the point of no return because right. I'm in the same room with eight yeah. other people who I was with the past week who had the same amount. And honestly, I had the most contact with, <laughs> as the broadcaster, I had the most contact with this player as one of the few people that actually has feel that or not yeah. players, one of the few personnel that has access to the field. That's amazing. And so if anything, I would be the transfer patient. So that's all right. Now, um, yeah, John says that is, that is kind of a helicopter parent move, but it sounds like that was a, an outlier. I, I was, my daughter actually asked my wife to put her location on her phone so she could, I, when my daughter was living in New York, she was not in at first she was not in the best neighborhood so my wife had it on there i just i don't know why i never thought of it i just was like oh okay she'll call if something happens but um so she i i kind of get that even though you know now my daughter's an adult and but she my wife will use it if like say she's coming to uh, pick up her dog or something she'll go oh she's almost here you know, that kind of thing. But she doesn't check it. You know, she's not watching it all the time. It's just, it's on there in case it's needed, I guess. But when it comes to my wife and myself, I have no, one, I, I have no reason to want her location on my thing. I, if she, like, I know when she goes to work, I know the route she takes home because it's the, the same route she takes every day. So I don't worry about that. And then, if she goes out, most of the time we're together. If she were to go out by herself, I'm not. I, you know, I figure if something happens, she'll call me, or I'll, or somebody will call me. I just, it's not. See, the problem is if if you had it or you took it, if you had it in a relationship and then you took it off, it kind of denotes that you have something to hide. But if you if you don't have anything to hide and you're just I guess maybe old school. Uh, I grew up when we didn't know where everybody was going to be. We'd say we're going out. Where you know, when I was a kid, it was we're going to so and so's house or we're going to this party. Or you know, when I was in college, my parents dropped me off in August. They saw me at Thanksgiving. They saw me at Christmas, and they saw me at the end of the year. Um, what I did down there, I'm sure they cared, but I'm glad they didn't always know what I was up to. You know. Be, not that I was doing anything despicable, but let's be honest, um, there were you know there were things I didn't need them to know because the law never got involved, so <laughs> I didn't have to call home for bail money. I didn't get kicked out of school. Uh, everything was fine. I was just being a regular person. And then, you know, when I was dating, that this wasn't a thing. When my wife and I were first together, this wasn't a thing. So now it's it doesn't make any sense. But if if you were if you were in a relationship with somebody and they asked you to turn on your location finder so they could track you, is that a red flag? To me it is. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. Gonna take a quick break, and then there's more. It's WTMJ Nights.
The night is still young. More of WTMJ Nights coming up next. Nights. 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talking text line. If you want to get involved in the program, we're here for about another half hour or so. And then, oh my goodness, then it's going to be uh, John Mercure and Dr. Ken Harris doing a post-debate wrap-up. It is... Uh, it seems it seems like things are getting a little crazy up there on the debate stage. I'm interested to hear what uh, John and Dr. Ken have to say about this when they get on after the ten o'clock news. But the two six two um, watching the debate, they should have a uh, kill switch on the microphone so the debaters can't be heard. This reminds me of the first day of kindergarten. Yak yak yak. That's from Sean. Yeah, it's I again. We can't hear it. It's on in the background just so I can. You know, I can see who's talking, but um, that's it. Uh, Danny says, hey, Brian, there's absolutely no reason for someone to keep track of your location ever. Yeah, that's what we were talking about, location sharing, especially if you're in a relationship. If you're in a relationship and two two scenarios, one, the person you're with asks you to share your location with them so they know where you are all the time, is that a red flag? And the opposite, if, say, you're with your partner and you've had location sharing on, and they go, you know what, I'm, I'm turning this off. Oh, why would you do that? Are you meeting someone else? Do you have a paramour that you're not telling me about? Is there someone else in your life? No, I'm just, you know, I just, you don't need to know when I'm at the grocery store. I don't need you to know if I take my phone in the bathroom. I don't, you know, it's, enough people are watching me. I don't need anybody else watching me. It's uh, the only I've had to use. I used my Find My iPhone once uh, because I left my, an iPad on a plane because I was in such a hurry to get off the get off the plane. I forgot my iPad in the seat back pocket, and I was able to track it because I didn't realize until I got home from the airport. I was able to track it and saw that a flight attendant must have found it and took it to the baggage you know, the lost bag desk. So that's the only time I used it. But I like, listen, when we're in here, do you do you keep the app? We have an app that unlocks the outside doors for the the offices and the studios. That tracks your that tracks your location too. And one of our coworkers and I were having this conversation. They were like, "Man, I turn that off immediately cuz I don't like uh, them to know where I am." I go, "Well, if I'm in the building, I'm in the building. It's not like it's not like there's not a lot of places I could be lurking if I'm here. I'm in the studio or I'm upstairs sitting somewhere working on the show. It's not it's not like I could be, "Oh, what kind of what kind of uh, nefarious things is he up to in the building?" Nothing. I guess if they wanted, they could see when we came in, you know, there's all that information when we're in, when we're out. But if you turn off the location sharing, then you have to punch in some weird thing every time you get to a door. I don't have time for that. Do you leave it on when you're in the when you're in here? I put it on when I'm about ten feet from said door, and then I close out of it when I'm ten feet away from said door. Oh yeah, once I leave work, I close the app. Yeah, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't in either. Term, in terms of that, I just put it on, and the only issue would be if you if they can see when you left. That might be something, but then you say like. It's not like we're in an isolated building either. We have right. a market hall right outside. 
So what? They know when I went to grab food? Yeah, that's fine. You're still at work. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> See, not... this is the easiest job for them to check if we're actually working. It, yeah. <laughs> this, there's no way you can go, I was at work. Ryan Noonan no, has left no, at 9.30, a yeah, half hour early. Really? What's, going, what's on the air? Nothing. He just he just left. Uh so yeah, they could they could always tell if we're here. Something's gotta be on. But I don't wor- I don't worry about that. As soon as I as soon as I leave and I go into the garage, I turn off the app and then you know, but then I turn on Waze to get me out of downtown and that knows exactly where I am. And then you know so that's it. But my wife doesn't need to know everywhere I'm at. I don't want her to know that I might stop at White Castle on the way home tonight. I don't, you know, I don't need that kind of hassle tomorrow. What do you have for dinner? Do you have White Castle? Why? You don't need to know that. I told you what she. It's another thing. She knows exactly where I am because all she has to do is turn on the radio. And go, all right, he's still at work, and then she knows how long it takes to get home, minus you know a little food to, a food stop or something. So, you know, I show up. Everything's golden. I don't need, you know, I'm not stopping anywhere. I've got nothing else to do. Uh, Jim wants to comment on the debate too. Uh, each talk out of both sides of their mouth and are gr- <laughs> and are grumpy jerks and snows. Oh my goodness! Uh, <laughs> I'm g- thank you for listen. I like hearing your uh, hearing your insights because we're not we're not involved in it. We're talking about other things. Um, so. Thank you, thank you to everybody who's sending in their their thoughts on this because it's entertaining me because all I see are angry faces and people flailing around <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on out there? And then oh, still poor Doug Bergman, uh, only five minutes of airtime as opposed to uh, nine minutes for Mike Pence. So Doug standing on that uh, gimpy leg, not helping. It's not helping him at all. Very very sad. All right, let's talk a little outdated etiquette. When we come back, it's WTMJ Nights. Isn't that nice? A little throwback to a more elegant time. Time when people would dress up to go to a baseball game. Nobody wore sweatpants on an airplane. There was a little decorum, a little etiquette. Now, I think uh, some of that is still very important. I think uh, and, and, and it's it's on display tonight at the debate where people are interrupting each other and shouting at each other. Uh, civil conversation is a point of etiquette that I think we should still all do our best to adhere to. But in the age of social media and um, texting and, and emails and everything else, civil discourse is something that is not always practiced. But there are other other etiquette rules, quote-unquote, or practices that have been around for a long time that maybe we don't need to adhere to. And I thought of this last month because I had to go to a funeral. Now, I hate to say this, but uh, the black suit I had didn't fit me anymore. (laughs) I haven't had to wear it. Well, I haven't really had to wear a suit since before the pandemic. And so, you know, I had a a nice uh, sport coat and some pants, But they weren't black. The pants were dark gray, and the jacket was like a gray uh, pattern jacket. Looked sharp. And I was worried that uh, I should go and get, it was a a relative, and I'm like, oh, should I go buy a brand new black suit just to wear to the funeral? And I debated and debated. 
not with my with myself. So I wasn't standing on a stage yelling at other people. I, I figured this out on my own, and I thought no. And that's one of the things. That's that's an example of outdated etiquette, because you know I had gone to the wake the day before and I wore a, a, a sport coat and some uh, slacks. Can't believe I just said slacks, uh, Matt. You can come in and punch me anytime for saying there's sands belts with the relaxed. Uh, no, who says slacks? No one. No one. Me. I just said it. I, I only say slacks when I want you to cut me some slack. I want yes. I want people to cut me some slack, but I don't. I don't wear slacks. I wear pants. So some dress pants. And anyway, but I saw people coming into the wake um, in all kinds of different clothes. And it was fine because the the goal isn't a fashion show. The goal is to come and pay respects to somebody. So that that piece of etiquette, I thought to myself, well, I, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to worry about that anymore. If if I have to go to a wake or a funeral or something like that, I'm going to wear something respectful. I'm not going to go, you know, like I'm dressed tonight. Pardon me, but I'm going to. I'm not going to worry about that. But this one comes up a lot, and I'm wondering, one, if there's a piece of outdated etiquette that you still adhere to, even though society seems to say, well, we don't really need to do that anymore. Or if you are a stickler for all these things. This one, this one, this is one I'm actually really split on. Dress codes. Um, I understand them to a point. If you work in a conservative office setting, I think your imp- or or any office setting, your your employer has a right to say this is the kind of clothing that you should wear to work. This is what's appropriate. Um, we do this for people who work in jobs where they have to wear a uniform, whether it's somebody who drives for UPS or somebody who works at McDonald's. They have to wear uniforms. But so work dress codes, I think, are fine. And that's not outdated. That's just the prerogative of the employer. If your boss wants you to wear certain things, you wear certain things or you work somewhere else. Thankfully, uh, we got into a, we got into a business where we could wear pretty much whatever we want. Now, at night, obviously, our dress code's a little more casual than if we were here during the day and the offices were open and clients were coming in and different things like that. So you you uh, adopt that. But what about on a golf course? Do you golf, Matt? Do you go to go golfing at all? I try. All right. Do you go? Uh, do you ever go to a golf course that has dress, a dress code? I personally haven't been to one that's strict, but I've seen some where it is ridiculous. Here's what here's the one I I've been to a couple and I don't golf. I golf horrible. Well, I should say I golf, but I golf horribly. Well, I guess that's more honest. But you know, there's a lot of shirts that are made to be worn untucked. But a couple of the golf courses I've gone to, you have to tuck your shirt in, no matter what kind of shirt it is. And I'm like, "Wait, I'm I'm dressed. I have every piece of clothing on that is on your dress code." But now I have to tuck my shirt in, and I rarely, I, unless I'm getting dressed up, I don't tuck shirts in. I, I you know, I have, a, I just don't do it. Um, but so I, I think that's ridiculous. That's just a, 
That's just a look at us. We're very important and cool. We have money, so we're going to tell people how to dress. And, you know, people are already paying at private country clubs an exorbitant amount of money to be members, plus they're paying an exorbitant amount of money to play that round of golf. Um, You know, stop. Restaurants are another place where I'm like, I'm torn. 95% of restaurants I don't think should have dress codes other than like no tank tops and jorts on men. You know, you have to wear you have to wear a shirt with sleeves and some sort of either a dress shorts or pants to come in and eat here. Uh ladies, please um you know, something uh, I hate to say tasteful, but you know what I mean. Not uh not just your not just your bikini top and your uh your bathing suit cover up on the bottom. You got to have have something on. But most places now, even if you go, last time I went out somewhere really fancy, uh, my wife and I went, and I, like, if we're going to a really nice steakhouse, I tend to, I'll throw on a sport coat, I'll try to, you know, because it's, it's a nice dinner, you're going out somewhere nice, but then you go in and you see people in t-shirts and jeans and stuff, and Part of me, the old-fashioned part of me, goes, why didn't they dress up? And the other part of me goes, it doesn't matter. We're all spending the same amount of money. I don't, if this person wants to wear, if this person wants to wear jeans and a t-shirt and the restaurant's okay with it, that's fine. Uh, I've only been to one place in my life where I, I didn't, couldn't go in because they were like, oh, you gotta have a jacket on. And I was like, okay, I'm out. I'll go spend my money somewhere else. So that's another thing. Um this is this is listed as old fashioned etiquette. And I don't believe it. I think it is still maybe it's just the way I grew up. Women uh do not need to be let off the elevator first. It's a courtesy. It is a courtesy. It's I know ladies, if I if I try to let you out of somewhere first, it's not because I don't think you are worthy or equal to me or anything else but that's just the way a lot of us were brought up that if if we're going through a door my oh i get into it my wife all the time like i'll hold the door and go and she'll wait and i'll go no you go and, and it's not like we just met so you know I'm gonna. You know I'm opening the door and you're going in first. That it, it's been that way since we met. You know, unless there, there's only been a couple times where I'm we're walking in from the garage up the deck into the back door, and she'll just say, uh, "I gotta just go first so you can turn off the alarm." Okay, then I go in first. But other than that, it's always first, and she still will stop. Like, I'm going to go and just, little lady, you just stand behind me. I'm going to go in first, make sure there's uh, nothing here. Or I'm going to, or, you know, there are times where I'm like, I really got to go in first. I can't wait. I'm running in. I'm running into the house. You know, that's, that's fine. Um, from the, from the 920, I always wear pants and a button down sweater to church. Same for my kids. We sit next to folks wearing hoodies, shorts, and sandals, drinking coffee at church. All right. I don't mind. I remember when I was in seventh or eighth grade, and also then later on in my life, 
going to church and wearing sandals, like with my jeans or flip-flops. And I had a big discussion with some people. And, you know, everything was clean, whatever, but I, I had sandals on. And they're like, you're being very disrespectful. I said, I don't think I am. Because um, my feet are part of me, and I'm here, and I'm praying, and I don't think, I don't think it's an issue. So I don't mind the I don't mind the I don't mind the hoodies and stuff. I don't think uh, you should be bringing beverages into church. You know, <laughs> sit there with a bowl of special K while they're uh, preaching at you. I don't think I don't think that works. Um, but the same person says I would never go golfing at a place that mandates I wear church clothes. Probably not. Four one four. Good uh, good pull on this one. That scene in The Sopranos where he makes a kid take off his hat. Yes, Tony Soprano's in there, and uh, he's, he's seething because a kid won't take off his hat in a restaurant. Uh, fancy restaurant. I think it's Artie Bucco's place. And uh, Tony goes over and gives him a little whack, gets, his, uh, gets that hat off him. So, oh, and swearing at work. That's the other outdated etiquette in this thing. I don't know where you work if you're not swearing at work. Depends sometimes. who you're talking to. Exactly. You know, am I, am I going up to the big boss and laying out some obscenities? Absolutely not. But if I'm just BSing with uh, with you and we're uh, you know away from any microphones, an obscenity might come out. Not you know not swearing at anybody or swearing about anybody, but sometimes you just you, you know a little cursy when you talk. That's uh, I think I think the oversensitivity to uh, swearing is also funny because most of us. A lot of us know where the situation is correct or acceptable, where you could say it in front, not in front of kids, not in front of your boss, not in front of uh, somebody you don't know. But, uh, you know, every once in a while, you can drop a little swear word. Any outdated etiquette that you either still adhere to or you're like, yeah, I used to worry about this, but I don't anymore. Uh, you know, people talk with their mouths full. People stand on the uh, stand on the moving walkways. They don't move over on the down escalators. Oh, the world is just crumbling, crumbling in front of our eyes. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank Talk and Text Line. We'll try to put everything back together, and then we'll come back for more. It's WTMJ Nights. The night is... Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights. Yeah, we're still here. We'll be here until 10 o'clock. Then after the news, it is Decision Wisconsin, the post-debate show. W uh, Wisconsin's Afternoon News anchor John Mercure and 1017 The Truth's Dr. Ken Harris will be here. They will break down everything. Um, I did just see this in the debate. They asked Chris Christie about UFOs, and he about lost his mind. He's like, wait a minute. I get the UFO question. They asked him if he would level if he would level with the American people about the what what the government what the government knows about UFOs. Um and of course he spun it into some sort of education thing and something else and uh really nothing about UFOs. But I would see that's the kind of question I was talking to Adam Roberts about this before, asking that kind of question that cuts through all the talking points and the facade that these politicians create for themselves or have created for them and asking, I would have loved 
Chris Craig, and I didn't hear his answer. I just saw that he was not happy, and on the, the closed captioning, he spun it into education. But I would have loved to have heard him go off on, you know, UFOs and if there aren't UFOs and how he is going to open Area 51 and all of this and just answer the question. This is what I want from all politicians. Answer the question. Because, be honest, how many times have you been watching a debate and it doesn't matter who it is, nobody answers a question. If I ask Matt a question and I say, Matt, do you like football? And he starts telling me about the solar system, I'm going to go, but that, 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 that. that wasn't the question. The question is, but the, the moderators never do that. They don't go, excuse me, uh, I asked you about aliens. I asked you about flying saucers. And you're telling me about school lunch programs. Not the same. Do you think there are little green men that have invaded the United States? Are we actually living among replicants that's what i want that's what i want him to answer i don't i don't care about his school lunch program in new jersey what's he going to do for what's he going to do for all of us here but unfortunately we never get those kind of uh, we never get those kind of answers do we nope matt you look you're looking a little down you got you still got about 18 hours of work left you better wake up oh yeah so, now i got to ask you this you uh you have not left the studio, and yet you've had 15 Propel Waters. How, uh, how is that possible? I am a camel, Brian. Really? So on road trips, I am the one that never has to use the restroom for some reason. How can that be? I don't know. Who knows? Maybe during the 10 o'clock news, I might <laughs> take a little trip. But right. No, I just... It's because... I we should Dylan is in there. Dylan is our fine audio or uh, in video. He does all the the extra stuff for WTMJ. You should take a picture of all those empty propel waters in there. That's what it takes to be a producer here at WTMJ. This kid stays hydrated more than anybody I have ever seen. I don't water my garden as much as Matt has put away liquids tonight. So that this might is the most hydrated man I've ever seen. He's they're got stacked up, and they've been stacked up every time I see him right? in here. He's got a full line of them. People think I'm exaggerating. I'm not. There have to be eight or ten Propel bottles in there. If you don't get it, if you don't get a sponsorship with Propel, you aren't hustling enough. We got to reach out to their MC, see what we can organize. Yeah, I think because, I'm guessing you do this in all your, you know, when you're calling a game, you must have. What do you just have an IV drip hooked up to you? There's a ratio, actually. Really? Depends on the sport. All right, Friday night you're doing a football game in Merrillville, Indiana. How many propels will you bring with you? Three cases? It's a TV call. That'll be three. (laughs) Wait, wait. Just three bottles? It'll be three bottles on the trip, like into the stadium. Okay. I'll usually have something other than propel pregame with dinner. So whether it's, you know, a soda or water, whatever it is. And then I'll ask Lena to drink post game. If it's a radio call, the faster the sport, the more I bring. Basketball and hockey, oh man, do I spend a lot on propel. That's that makes sense. I probably should have been I've been drinking coffee. I I have a giant water bottle here and I've taken one sip out of the water bottle. I because I'm afraid I unlike you, I have to you know, I can't sit here for hours and hours and hours. Um But how did you how did you come to this formula? Was this something you've studied over time? Was this something passed down to you by a mentor? 
Is it uh, just trial and error? And why is a TV call different than a radio call? Because TV, I let the camera be my best friend. You know, you get a radio call for football, let's just say. You have to describe, or at least the way I do it, is I'm describing every little bit of action that takes place from the key players. Okay. So everything the quarterback does, the second the quarterback, for example, hands off to the tailback, everything that he does, so if he takes a jab step with his right foot on the far hash at the 40-yard line, that is going to try and get on air. And then, uh, you know, he sheds one tackle with his right arm on the left shoulder of the linebacker. You try to get that in. Sure. Whereas if it's TV, I'm not muddying it. The people okay. can see that the running back stiff arm the linebacker with his right arm. Yeah. So I'll just be like, Sanchez breaks the tackle. He has green grass now. Like, just caption it. Let the camera do my work for me. Hence less speaking. Got it. Hence less hydration. Ah, keep those. Uh, keep the pipes nice and uh, nice, nice and fluid. Nice and moist. Yes. Nice and moist. Very nice. Well, this is uh, this is fascinating. But now you do talk on this program, but I don't. You know, eight bottles. Eight bottles worth of Propel. I didn't think I was working you that hard. No, you're not working me that hard. <laughs> Honestly, the image isn't as reflective of what it was. I had two of these that were at half. Okay. <laughs> because they were left over from something because right. I keep all my propel in the same spot, you know, because I don't like to waste. Sure, I don't blame you. So Listen. I, I'll keep it all with me. And if I have two halves, two halves right. equals a whole, you know, if I'm feeling wow. it all. So then we're doing, we're doing some geom- geometry. Uh, oh, we'll, do, we'll do some geometry. <laughs> we, right. got, two uh, halves equal a- we got AP government coming up in about five minutes. Be you know? Yeah, we're going to learn starting, all about uh, it. You know, we're, we're hitting all the subjects. It looks like they're starting to wrap up. Everybody's got their, their one-minute uh, one wrap-up up there. But anyway, well, that's, that's fantastic. And Propel is your water of choice. It is. All right. Well, listen. We got to get you. Uh, we got to get some people on there. Get you. Uh, get you a little Propel contract. That'd be nice. Oh, okay. John in Waukesha. Why Propel? Why Propel? Yeah. Why I'm Propel? not a. I'm not a huge Gatorade fan. Hate Gatorade. I'm not a huge Powerade. Any of those sport drinks. And for some reason, I tried water a couple times. Yeah. And it just didn't work. I don't know what it was. It was just. Too bland. If it's out of a plastic bottle, it tastes like plastic. And you want to have a good taste in your mouth before going on the air. You don't want to. <laughs> you could probably speak to this, Brian. You don't I wanna, like straight up water. I'm uh, I'm water. If you're eating something pre-show, obviously right. you're not going to eat anything you don't like. But are you going to have That's a correct. Nashville hot chicken sandwich right before you go on air? No. Yeah, you got to have a good taste in your mouth. You got to be able to yeah. feel it. That's just a personal preference, and All right. that was the one that I started well, listen, with. John, and it works. John, John wants to know the four one four is saying they are much more interested in our propelled conversation than they are with the debate. So we're doing our job. I have to say good night. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of the program, Matt. As always, thank you for the fascinating content. The big post-debate show with John Mercure and Dr. Ken Harris is after the news, which comes your way right after this. I'll talk to you tomorrow night at 6 on WTMJ.